Your move, creep. Wish me luck, Freezer. You go, Ben Coco. Dino DNA. Son, your ego is writing checks your body can't cash. That's the only thing I know how to do. It's a good-looking boy. I'm a member of the Imperial Senate. That's right, Lord! Welcome to Earth. You crossed the line. You know, that's just like, uh... Your opinion, man. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Retrograde, the podcast where we talk about older movies. We talk about how they were made, how they were received, and whether or not they hold up. I am Austin. And I'm George. And what awesome movie are we going to be talking about this week, Austin? Well, today we're going to be talking about, as you probably guessed it from the episode title, Forrest Gump. Live like a... Well, sorry, sorry, go for it. What? I was going to do the... Live like a box of chocolates. That's your Forrest Gump? Yeah. You know, it's got that southern drawl, you know? I'm Forrest Gump. <laughs> Is that not it? Is that not it? I, I don't think so, man. I think we've seen different movies. <laughs> <laughs> okay, to be fair, my accent uh-huh. game is really, really, really bad. Like, I can't do accents to save my fucking life. Gut, I think like, you can do a, a New York accent pretty good. Uh, w- When did I do a New York accent? You're going to have to... I, I, f- I feel like you always kind of have one. So you're saying I sound like I'm from New York? Yeah. Hey, forget about it. Hey, yo, Tony, <laughs> get, get me a, go get me a cannoli. Hey, yo, how about I said, it? I didn't say Italian. I just said New York. But I just, I associate... Italians with New York because of the Godfather. Yeah, you did a pretty good, Miss Piggy too. <laughs> I, I've been I've been wanting to improve my Piggy voice just so like I could really sell the fact that I'm Miss Piggy and you're Kermit. Like I would love so gross. to do an episode where I'm Miss Piggy and like I am just making your life so <laughs> miserable. I that is my goal. That oh I should do that when we do like a Muppets movie because I feel like that's <laughs> something that will come up. Oh, definitely, definitely. I'm sure, like, up. what Muppet movie? Who knows? But I'll do, I'll record the entire thing as Miss Piggy. <laughs> All right. Um, but today, we're going to be talking about Forrest Gump from 1994, directed by Robert Zemeckis. When did you watch this movie for the first time, Austin? Oh, I watched it when I was a kid. Like, it, it must have been one of the movies that we had on VHS. Oh, this was a VHS one. Yeah, this is a VHS one that was rewound several, several times. See, very different from mine, because I saw this in high school. What? I Oh, oh what, what, when did I? I think it was like <laughs> sophomore, junior year. So up until that point, I had no idea what oh Forrest Gump or who Forrest Gump was. I had you were, no, I was a wow. grown, well, I was a grown boy, <laughs> not a grown ass man. I was a grown boy in high school. <laughs> It must have been sophomore or no, I think it was junior year because I had my old history teacher, my uh-huh. U.S. history teacher. She was a movie fan, too. Wait, she, so you saw this as part of the high school curriculum? No, 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 no. This was outside. Oh, of, OK, no, I've I've always been a teacher's pet. Like, OK, <laughs> I've, I like talking to my teachers outside of class and she was a movie fan. So that was like really it was really easy to talk to her about movies, right? And right. she would let me borrow, uh, like her DVD. Oh, wow. She let me borrow Jaws. She let me borrow Casablanca's. She let me borrow Forrest Gump. So it was junior year then, yeah. And 
that was when I saw it. So part wow. of my film education came from my U.S. history teacher. <laughs> hey, good on her, man. Good on her. I mean, those are three classics. Jaws, Casablanca, Forrest Gump. Like Those are, yeah. Those are movies I didn't I did not watch growing up. Like she gave me she gave me some she dropped some knowledge, man. How did you feel about the movie when you first saw it? I loved it. Loved it. Loved it. Loved it. I I thought it was amazing. When's um, the last time you watched it? That was the last time. I've really? only seen it once. Wow. I've only That's why that's why uh our guest choosing Forrest Gump it's pretty. It's it's a, it's a great choice. It really is. Because I Cause... I haven't seen this movie, and more and more people are talking about how it hasn't aged well, or they yeah. they've talked about some of the ambiguity of the film. Yeah, which I don't it's... think I've really picked up on. I I'm kind of in the same boat because I also loved this movie because it was one of our VHS movies, and I remember watching it multiple times, and only very recently. Did I think about Forrest Gump? You know, he has an intellectual disability, I think. Mm-hmm. And there's a scene where he has sex with Robin Wright, uh, Jenny. And I'm not, I'm trying to think. I'm like, I don't know if that was like a, like a consensual thing. You know what I mean? It's something and, that I didn't think about back then. Yeah. I, I didn't either. think about it until you brought it up. And wait, wait, just now? Yeah, just now. I because you said the sex scene, and I was like, "Wait, there's a sex scene, bro." I haven't seen this movie <laughs> he has since. A kid, I can't. I bar- I barely remember that scene. The only thing about his kid that I remember is like, "Is he special like me?" Is that line, bro? I haven't oh, seen man. this movie since 2010 or 2009. It could have been the beginning of junior year. Oh, so that scene there's is, a lot so... that I don't remember from this movie. I remember, yeah. I remember a black guy that he's with in the army. I remember Bubba, uh, Bubba, uh, Bubba Gump. Okay, that jogged my memory. I, some guy <laughs> in the army that loses Lieutenant his legs. Dan, Lieutenant Dan, <laughs> uh, Jenny, and it's just little things like he owns Apple or part of Apple. I I don't really <laughs> yeah. remember. Yeah, the, the thing that I found funniest was when he's the guy that calls in the Watergate thing. Because <laughs> even as a kid. Because as a kid, we were talking about that in in class, and then I yeah. noticed it, and I was like, "Oh, I understand what's happening." Bro, as get- a kid, all of that stuff went over my head, all of the history stuff. It's it was fantastic to watch <laughs> and be able to understand some of it, right? Um, yeah, I think what I what I walked out not understanding was like his relationship with Jenny, what Jenny was going through um why she would like not want to be with him even though she like loved him Mm -hmm. um like what he was going through mentally because he's suffering some sort of disability i don't know what it is i can't remember the film talks about it like there's a lot of these things a lot of things happened in the film that were kind of ambiguous and it's like yeah like like what you said she slept with forrest gump it's like wait how did that go down like (laughs) you you know what i mean (laughs) yeah like I, I, yeah yeah and like did his kid kid have what he had it, see it, i remember that scene because he oh we'll get in we'll watch the movie like, yeah we'll, we'll talk about it then yeah uh one of the biggest things that i i'm personally really curious to rewatch. there's two things i want to look out for in this film mm-hmm. that i'm curious about is 
one, what the fuck's going on with Jenny? Yeah. What's the deal with Jenny? <laughs> I I just imagine Jerry, Jerry Seinfeld saying that. Like, serious question. Like, what is going on with Jenny? Like, yeah. was it that the film was openly ambiguous or was it that it just didn't give her the screen time she needed? I'm curious. And the other yeah. thing, too, is what's the theme of the movie? Mm-hmm. Because I saw this YouTube on this video on YouTube where this guy, Patrick H. Willems, he makes really great video oh, essays. Yeah. And really fantastic, well-made video essays. And he made one on Robert Zemeckis where he deep dives into all his films. And he watches Forrest Gump and he made a really good observation. It's like, what's the theme of the movie? And before he even explained why he came to that point, even I was like, I had to pause the video. I was like, wait, what was the theme? Like, what did I get out of it? Like, I liked it. It made me feel good. But is it that you can achieve anything you want even if you have a disability. Well, I, did he even want anything though? Like he just does what people tell him yeah. to do. Yeah. It, and, he, well, he likes to run and he's really good at ping pong. Yeah. And, but he doesn't yeah. really make choices or maybe he does. And I just can't remember. Those are the two yeah. things that I want to personally get out of watching this film. Those are the two things. Cause it could just be maybe Patrick didn't get it and stuff, which hey, could be. But I want to be able to say, like, no, I agree. I don't think there's a theme or, oh, there is, but it's just. Yeah. See, I'm kind of curious about, like, why does he get involved with these real life historical events? Like, is it just supposed to be funny? Like, what's the point of that? Watergate was funny, but I don't know what it added. Yeah, because like as a kid, when I watched this movie, I didn't understand. Like, I knew Elvis and then I think I knew president nixon who what that was but i i didn't realize it was throughout the entire movie you know what i mean like he invents the smiley face he um invented bubba gump shrimp like it's it's really funny (laughs) to think about oh bubba gump shrimp or or like uh it's funny because he was he did the watergate he started the watergate scandal but it's like but what does that add though like i'm not saying i'm not saying it's bad but why? Maybe is yeah, it part yeah, of this elaborate theme about us having unintended consequences on the universe and in our planet? Mm. Or what the, what the fuck? What is happening? Yeah. Outside of it being entertaining and funny and cute. Another thing that I'm curious about is like, how do we feel about watching Tom Hanks, you know, somebody who does not suffer from an intellectual disability, play a character with one? You know, like, is can't we get someone... You know, like I think recently there's a movie called Peanut Butter Falcon. Yeah. Oh, where, where they casted a uh... person like the one of the main characters of the film was someone with Down syndrome, mm. and they got an actor who also had Down syndrome to play him. I feel like that's great. You know, like an actor mm. with Down syndrome can actually like act and be in a movie. But like, how does that go? How do we feel about watching someone pretend that they have one or act like they have one? You know. I, I agree with you. It's super positive to have people with Down syndrome who are autistic, who have disabilities acting in films. I think it's great. I think the I think actors who aren't suffering from these disabilities playing characters with them is outdated. Like, it's just not. So you don't think that they could do a sequel to this and cast Tom Hanks and have him do the voice and everything? I don't think so. I mm. don't think so, honestly. Would I want them to? Honestly, not really. Because I just think it opens up a can of worms that we don't need yeah. to, you know, like, let's just let's move away from this. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like, 
film has been an industry that has been super racist and sexist and all these things, all these isms, right? Yeah. We are moving away from them. Maybe it's taken so long, but thankfully we are at the point, you know, at these inflection points where we are changing. So, hey, yeah. uh, positive, you know, a good step in the right direction. Do we really need to constantly go back to them? I don't think so. Maybe there are exceptions. Like maybe there are instances where it's like, well, you know what? All right, I you found the exception, you got away with it. Um, but as a industry standard, I don't think so. Like I think we're just mm. we're past that, you know. Tom All Hanks, right. um, uh, Sean Penn, uh, uh, I, uh, Cuba Gooding Jr. Cuba, Cuba Gooding Jr. <laughs> like we we are we are done. Like yeah. that was it. And I will say this: this was a movie that was made in 94 yeah so does it really pain me and upset me to see tom hanks playing someone with a disability not really mm. well you we haven't seen it since then so we'll, we'll see how that it feels is, now that is very true because i could come back here once we're done watching the film and be like that yeah. was cringy as fuck it could, <laughs> because again it's i mean i watched it too and let's just say 2010 it's been 11 yeah. years and the only thing that I've seen from it are like tiny clips of it on YouTube yeah. where it's like, is he like me? Uh, that's yeah, that's it. So I can't honestly say it bothers me from what I remember. It didn't bother me. Of course not. Like it, he, you're not making fun of him, I think. Yeah, you're not making well, fun kind, of him. Kind of are, but you're, he's you're, playing a character that you sympathize with. He's the hero of that story. So you're on his side. He you doesn't see do his anything plight. bad. He's not like. He's not Sean Penning it from I Am Sam, where he's like tossing it, like he's like walking back and forth. And, and, mm. No. Did you hear about Sia's new film, Music? Uh, no. There's a there's a film by the musician Sia. She made a mm-hmm. film called Music, and it's mm-hmm. about a woman who has autism, but she doesn't have autism. And people have been calling the film out. They're like, look, man, you are perpetuating this image of autism that is not accurate. And it's kind of offensive because this is a non-disabled mm-hmm. person walking around and like making faces and like doing arm movements and stuff like that. And we're done with it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, we're done. We're past it. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's a conversation we're still having today. That's why I think it's important to talk about Forrest Gump. Yeah. Because maybe this was the last great one where it's like, <laughs> all right, after Forrest Gump, you guys can't do it. Like, yeah, that's not one thing I do want to, to find out is like, do I still like this movie? Yeah. Time has passed since the last time we've seen this movie. I think the last time I saw it, I was maybe subbing in, in a class or something. And then, cause that's when I picked up on like the historical events. And like, that's why the teacher was showing the movie because of the historical events. Mm-hmm. And in my case, I've only seen this movie one time. Yeah. Like I am very much an advocate of like, you need to watch a movie multiple times to really get it. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Watching it once isn't really doing it justice. It's a piece of art. You know, you don't yeah. look at a painting of Mona Lisa and then decide that this is your impression of it and then you move on. No, <laughs> you you have to look at it multiple times. With music, it's the same thing. You listen to it and you just kind of learn a little bit more. So I don't even have a second impression of this film. <laughs> All right. So, um, I, so I could let's... be like, yo, Tom Hanks crossed the line. Like, cancel Tom Hanks. <laughs> no, man. I don't think. Nah. Cancel him. Send him to the guillotine. <laughs> Nah. Uh, do you want to talk about the year 1994? I don't. We should yeah, yeah. Let's, probably talk about that. 
I think so, uh, it was a wild year at the Oscars. In the year 1994, can you guess where Forrest Gump placed on the top 10 worldwide box office movies? Uh, I'd, I'd say like number three. Number three? Yeah. Number three is True Lies with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh, and, <laughs> okay. Never mind. And Jamie Lee Curtis. Uh, it's, Forrest Gump was actually number two. Can you guess number one? Uh, 94? Yeah. Oh, shit. Um, Pulp Fiction? Uh, it's on the, the list. Uh, the number one movie of that year was The Lion King. Uh, d- d- okay. Yeah. Yeah, with $986 million at the worldwide box office. Uninflate, or, in, like, inflation, yeah, obviously, but damn. Yeah. Almost a billion dollars to watch the <laughs> Lions do kid-friendly Hamlet. <laughs> damn. Hey, good on them. Good on them. Yeah. Go go over the so, top 10 though cuz yeah, so number okay, 1 so was number, Lion King. Lion King, then number 2 Forrest Gump, number 3 is True Lies, number 4 this is going to blow your mind. The Flintstones. I'm home. This summer. From Universal Pictures and Amblin Entertainment. Oh god. With like John Goodman and, and Rose Rosie O'Donnell. Rosie O'Donnell. Oh, do you want to know something? What? I've always had a crush on Rosie O'Donnell. <laughs> oh my god, I love Rosie O'Donnell. When I uh, when, in uh, a League of Their Own, she's my favorite. Oh yeah. Oh, I oh, love yeah. her. Love her character. Okay, so that was number four, Flintstones. Yeah. Number five is The Mask. Jim Carrey. Jim okay. Carrey. Yep. Makes sense. Number six, Speed. Number seven, Dumb and Dumber. With Jim Carrey? With Jim Carrey. Damn! Number eight, Four Weddings and a Funeral. Mm-hmm. Number nine, Interview with the Vampire. Which I still have yet to see. Oh, I have I not lo- seen it. I, I have, I'm a big fan. Tom Cruise um, is in it. In, yeah. Ah, fuck, that was... I, I watched... I read the, the first two and a half books, and the, the second one is, like, one of my favorite books of all time. Really? It's called The, the Vampire Lestat. It's about... Uh, the character Tom Cruise plays in the movie. It's like how he got to to be who he was. Mm-hmm. Anyway, number 10 is Pulp Fiction. I love Pulp Fiction, so I think yeah. that should have been higher. But, you know, I'm hey, solid, solid list. Yeah. Solid. Yeah. This is also the year that the Street Fighter movie came out. Mm-hmm. Jean-Claude Van Damme. Which I know you wanted to talk, do in the podcast. I do. I do. It, yeah. I love that movie. <laughs> I think it's one of the greatest comedies of of all time um the first ace ventura movie ace ventura pet detective oh my god jim carrey man king of the 90s king of the 90s uh we also got angels in the outfield that year kevin costner right uh i think so so whenever they they're cheating (laughs) with with angel magic (laughs) um the little rascals love that movie the crow Fuck, Brandon Lee, yo. Mm-hmm. R.I.P. Uh, Natural Born Killers. Woody and, Harrelson, yeah. Yeah, Little Women and D2, The Mighty Ducks. Oh, <gasps> D2, that's my shit, man. Yeah, I've Love seen them. like most most of these movies. Yeah, same. It's weird because there's be some years like RoboCop where you'll name the top 10. Yeah. I'm like, I don't know any of these movies. <laughs> and I know most of these movies. I've seen yeah, most I've, of them, if not heard I've, of them. I think the one that I haven't seen is Four Weddings and a Funeral. Never seen it. Dude, you said 
Bead? Speed. Oh, speed. Bro, I thought you said bead. Like, what the fuck is bead? And for a second, I was thinking you met, you said bean. As oh, in man. Mr. Bean. Mr. I was bean? Like, like, oh, was he in the 90s? Speed. Oh. Speed. Fast bus. Yo, I rewatched that movie like a year ago. And it's amazing. It's pretty great. Speed is fantastic. It really is. That is Maybe one of Keanu's should... best films. Oh yeah. I would I would put up I put it up there with with Matrix. Wow. We should do a speed one. Like Ma- hey, Matrix is great, it's cool, but speed is underappreciated. I I really want just want to talk about real quick about the Oscars. Cuz the Oscars. Had, yeah, cuz uh, from 19 from 94. Yeah. Cuz they were for the uh from from that year. Forrest mm-hmm. Gump was nominated along yeah. with Quiz quiz show which i don't i've never heard of it's with robert redford oh that was about the cheating scandal on quiz show i keep seeing like watch mojos about that moment in history (laughs) oh really yeah i think okay maybe i'm confused but i remember there being a big scandal over a um game show where they were like cheating and getting money and then the network found out or something no 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 you're right you're, you're, is that's that what, what it's it is. Yeah. The film okay. chronicles the 21 quiz show scandals of the 1950s. The rise and fall of popular contestant Charles Van Doren after the fixed loss of Herb something and congressional investigator Richard Goodwin's subsequent probe. That's crazy. Oh, I'm, I'm I would here. love to see a movie like that in theaters. Well, on streaming now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Same. I, that sounds I'm going to watch that now. Yeah. So you have quiz show. Then you have four weddings and a funeral, which I've heard mm-hmm. was funny. It's a British romantic comedy. I love rom com. I assume Hugh Grant is in it, but I could be wrong. <laughs> he might have been in the remake. Okay. Or... Nope, he's the lead. <laughs> I just took a shot in the dark. Hugh Grant, man, he knows he knows what he's good in. <laughs> so you have quiz show, four weddings and a funeral. You've got Forrest Gump. Then you have Pulp Fiction. Yeah. And then you have the Shawshank Redemption. Oh, yeah. Shawshank came out One that of the year. greatest films of all time. I have not so, seen it. Bro, it's so good. So good. I'm I, sorry. Look, I love Pulp Fiction, <laughs> but damn, Shawshank is, is amazing. Like, I think of all the films, I think Shawshank should have won. Well, what, what won? Uh, Forrest Gump. <laughs> Forrest Gump won Best Picture, Best Director, Best Actor. What? uh, Best uh, Screenplay. Over all those movies that you just said. Yeah. And that's. Can you read that list again? Okay. Quiz Show, docudrama about. Yeah, that that already sounds interesting. That sounds very interesting. Directed by Robert Redford. Four Weddings and a Funeral, a really good rom-com, apparently. If it's a romantic comedy getting nominated for an Oscar, okay, it's got to be pretty good. Pulp Fiction, which I know some people are rolling their eyes. Hey, it's a good movie, all right? Like, it inspired a lot of people to pursue filmmaking as a career, too. Yeah, like, this movie has been ripped off so much. That has to mean something. Yeah. But okay, if you don't like it, cool, whatever. Forrest Gump and Shawshank Redemption. I don't know a, a single person who hates that movie. Like some people, are like I haven't seen it, but nobody has been like, "Oh, Shawshank Redemption is bullshit." No, I've <laughs> I've heard people say that about Pulp Fiction. 
Like people have said Pulp Fiction sucks. Like it's overrated or whatever. Okay, fine. That's your opinion. But nobody's been like, yo, man, when when Andy Dufresne is out there with Morgan Freeman, that's bullshit. That Andy's fucking whack. No, no, nobody that's, says that. That's got to be the funniest thing you've said. <laughs> Pulp, uh, uh, Nobody, Shash- nobody's like, Shawshank Redemption is bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, I, I don't think anyone uh, has ever said that. Andy Dufresne, or Dufresne. Yeah, I think it's Dufresne. Uh, it's been a while since God I've damn. seen it. It's... Damn, man. You haven't seen Shawshank Redemption? I have not. Fuck. We got to do. Oh, it's we so. Got it. We got it. We have to pace it out because we're doing a movie from 94 right now. But it's so. Damn, man. If you don't cry, you're fucking cold. Yeah. <sighs> I, I cried during Speed Racer. I'm probably going to cry during Shawshank Redemption. <sighs> okay. This isn't about right. Shawshank Redemption. It's about Forrest Gump. <laughs> You've convinced me. We should, we should definitely do it. I'm down to do it for the pod, too. Uh, yeah, man, this is a this is a worth one talking about, but it's interesting. So you have three really good films that we know of, or that I know of, two that I haven't seen. Does Forrest Gump deserve the Best Picture Oscar? It already sounds like that sounds kind of crazy. I can't believe it. It won all those Oscars. I, I had no idea. Like I would already give it to Pulp Fiction, and then Shawshank being in there, I'd be like, ah, no, Shawshank Redemption deserves it. But again, I haven't seen this in eleven years, so who knows? Yeah. All right, so. We're going to watch the movie, and when we come back, we will be joined by Heather, who we've talked about on the podcast before. It was part of um, our origin story between Jorge and myself. She's a producer over at Vice. She produced like a lot of really cool videos. Vice is so cool. They put out quality content on yeah. a regular basis. Like yeah. I can't think of a video where they fucked up. Like, I can't. Or even that that wasn't as entertaining or anything. Like, I can't. Informative. I, yeah, it's all yeah. informative, all entertaining. It, she chose this film, so yes. I'm curious to see why she chose it. Why, what intrigues her about Forrest Gump? Does she love it? Uh, we, we have a story about it. Kind really? Of. Oh, yeah. all right. I'm, all right. I'm, I'm all right. curious. I'm, I want to know. All right. We will see you in a bit. See you guys. You know, that all depends. Here, look at the comments. This is why I don't want to go online, because it's never good. You go online, they hated Forrest Gump. Freaking best movie ever. Okay. So we are back from watching Forrest Gump. And for this part of the episode, we are joined by Heather Huang. Did I say that right? Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> it's pronounced <laughs> Heather Huang. 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 Okay. But I don't really care. I say Huang. That's how I introduce myself to Americans. <laughs> it's fun, real quick. I'm just a side note, but it's always funny how, whenever we bring a guest, it's always about getting their name right. And there's always yeah. there's always like that. Well, you know, this is how it's supposed to be said, but here's how Americans <laughs> say it. It, yeah. it happens like every time. <laughs> yeah, I just uh, thought, I just thought it was funny. So you oh. picked Forrest Gump. Right. Well, it was it was a film that you and I have talked about in the past, and um, so I, for for the listeners, Austin and I are good friends since college, and one of our inside jokes was that line that Forrest says to Lieutenant Dan, uh, <laughs> "But you ain't got no legs, Lieutenant Dan." I'm sorry that I really butchered the Southern accent, but just bear with oh, me, please. It's fine. You know, and that was like an inside joke we had, and obviously, as film students or people who love film, like this this movie was a huge part of it too, you know, mm-hmm. but it's also kind of interesting to look at it today. Cause I don't think 
a film like that could be made today. Right. Ooh. But yeah. they are going to. Let, let <laughs> we'll me, say wait. that for the end. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> well, it's. Do you remember the first time you saw the film, Heather? So I don't remember the first time I saw the film, but it was a big part of my childhood because. Um, okay, so the film came out in 1994. I was around three years old, so there's no way I would have would have had. A recollection of it but i'm pretty sure my family had it on vhs same it was a film that i remember my my parents would put on once in a while and it was also something that my siblings really loved and my brother who also went on to work in the film industry um he was really obsessed with that film he even he even had the book the book that he had was the one that had the the film movie poster on it so it wasn't the book mm-hmm. that he bought before it was clear that he bought it like after after the film came out, and he also had the the soundtrack on CD, oh my God. which was like one of the first times I like actually was able to memorize songs because I didn't really grow up with like a lot of uh, American CDs. I don't know, I'm not really sure why. Like my dad really liked Simon and Garfunkel, but like other than that, we didn't really have any other like CDs lying around. Like I have this distinct memory of like dancing in my brother's room in my fucking like uh, pajamas, like matching pajamas, <laughs> just singing to like. Like the, some of the some of the songs, and the thing is, though, now I can't really remember some of the songs unless I hear <laughs> it and I can start singing some of it. But I can't do it like right off the bat right now. I was about to, but I didn't because I did not know which song <laughs> I was going to sing. It. But I mean, that to go back though, like I I do think the soundtrack of the film really really um adds to like its cinematic value too. Oh yeah, but that's what really made it. Like if the music wasn't there, it would have been very different. <laughs> Yeah, I I wrote in my notes as watching. I'm like, dude, this soundtrack bumps. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like the it's like America's greatest hits. You know exactly. What I mean? You got like yeah. Leonard Skinner, the Jimi Hendrix. You got the Doors. You have uh, the Animals and CCR. The sc- the score the score for it the score for it was so memorable too. Like that opening mm. song with like. Like even the like the, the, the yeah the feather like following the feather with the camera like all of that I feel like that was that must have felt very novel to people at the time I mean I don't know if there was anything like that like shot like that in the past I can't I can't yeah. recall it but you're absolutely right about the soundtrack I mean the the score because when I finished watching the film um I was you know I, you're kind of in this emotional state and I just watched the credits because of the music and there's that (laughs) there's that piano melody and i couldn't help but just kind of want to tear up you know i didn't do it obviously you know but but i wanted Mm -hmm. to and i don't know it was really nice listening listening to it so like sonically this movie's pretty great all around okay so before we get too far into it we should probably talk about the story Right? Like, mm-hmm. we'll try to summarize the story. For anybody who hasn't seen it, anybody on the planet who hasn't seen Tom Hanks in Forrest Gump, basically it's kind of a frame story where this guy is, is t- telling his life story on a bench to people waiting for the, their bus uh, their bus line. He's a, a, a guy from... Alabama. Greenbow, Alabama. Greenbow, Alabama. <laughs> um, I love that scene. <laughs> that is that might be my quote. But. So he's he's from Greenbow, Alabama. He has some kind of like spinal issue where he can't really walk, and he also has a very low IQ, 
and he seems like he has some kind of intellectual disability. And he's growing up, I think he's born in the 40s, right? So he's a, he's a baby boomer and he's living through throughout like the 60s and 70s and, and all this. He has a crush on his neighbor, Jenny, who's the only girl that was nice to him. And he gets chased by bullies and he runs and he breaks like the leg braces that are helping him walk. And he just he's just really good at running. So good at running, he runs, he gets a, a college scholarship, and he runs for Alabama State, and then he gets recruited, goes to Vietnam, meets Bubba, who I think it's implied that he's also someone with an intellectual disability. And Bubba's like obsessed with shrimp, and he meets Lieutenant Dan, who's like this, I don't know how to describe him. He's like the he's so he's someone who idolizes like the military lifestyle and he wants to die yeah. for his country. Yeah, he's he's like he's an archetype or something. He's like the a character you meet in a video game, you know, um, he's he's in Vietnam and Jenny's living like this crazy counterculture lifestyle as he's like in Vietnam. They've grown distant with each other. There's a an ambush. Lieutenant Dan loses his legs. Bubba tragically dies, and then he, Forrest Gump, becomes like a ping pong champion because he plays ping pong when he's in the um, infirmary. Yeah, while he's recovering, <laughs> while he's recovering from his his wound, um, he he gets really good at ping pong, and then he gets sponsored to to say that he likes these ping pong paddles, and he uses that money to start a shrimping business in honor of his dead friend Bubba, who loves shrimp. And he takes Lieutenant Dan with him. And because of a hurricane, they end up being the only shrimping boat to survive. So their industry booms. Lieutenant Dan invests in apples. So Forrest Gump doesn't have to worry about money anymore. But the entire time he's been like thinking about Jenny, wanting to meet Jenny and after a few like run-ins with her, she eventually like hangs out with him for like a whole week, maybe it seems. And they have sex. I think it's consensual. Looking back on it, <laughs> then she leaves again, and then he goes on this like epic like running tour that lasts three years. And then he he comes back and he has a letter from Jenny. He goes to visit Jenny, and she has a kid named Forrest, named after his father. His daddy. And then Jenny dies from AIDS or HIV. It's not really clear what. And Forrest takes his son to school. The bus driver's the same as when he was a boy. And that's the end of the movie. Very strange movie, man. It is weird. I, I'm trying to, to, to describe the story. And I'm like... It's, it's weird when you hard. describe it. But I at the same time, though... Um, Robert Zemeckis. Well, okay, so here's the thing. I always pronounce it in my head Zemeckis, but I don't know how to actually pronounce his name. <laughs> Zemeckis. <laughs> Zemeckis. Yes. Okay. Robert Zemeckis. He, he is. He is one of my favorite directors. Like I fucking love Back to the Future. Like I. Me too. I love and, that movie. And so I do give credit. Like maybe. Because like the source of this was a novel, and I haven't read the novel, but I read summaries of it, and I know a little bit about the author. And um, I do think I, I'm very curious about how it was adapted into a screenplay and into the film, 
Because I feel like the tone might have been a bit different in the novel. Oh, yeah. What I was reading about the novel was that the Forrest Gump in the movie is a lot more um, likable, I think. He he doesn't... I'm likable, but he's... Innocent? Innocent, maybe? He, he's more innocent in the movie, yeah. What I happens in the so. book? In the book, I think there's more sex scenes. There's more... He curses um, a lot or something like yeah. that. Yeah. And like he has like a weird run-in with Raquel Welsh. <laughs> or is that in the sequel book? I don't know. It's ridiculous. <laughs> we can get into uh, that part later, but yeah, yeah, I just want to focus on the first front novel. One thing I didn't really mention very much is that he, in all his um, adventures, Forrest Gump has found himself at the center of a lot of like historical events, mm-hmm. very famous historical events. And when I was a kid, I didn't really like pay attention to it very much, but as an older person i'm like man this is like a the a baby boomer's greatest hits well, you know when, when you say you were a kid again you're you're thinking like maybe 10 uh like 11 yeah or, okay because the first time i saw the film was in high school so, uh junior year and i kind of already had context so i knew a lot of the things that were going on watergate and stuff so i thought it was kind of funny but i can imagine that as a kid you didn't really get the Watergate scandal. Oh, no. It was just a weird, like, hotel situation. Like, <laughs> I didn't know what the hell was going on. But it it makes sense because by the time you're in high school, you do have some knowledge through American history classes. And, like, the thing about all these events are that they are, they're all things that would have been mentioned in a typical U.S. history textbook. And we, yeah. we all know there there's so much more than that. But the things that they hit mm-hmm. upon are just very well-known, significant events of, of that era. Which is something of, of note, I think. Which is yeah. interesting because one of the enjoying part, one of the, the the parts that I enjoyed about it, watching it in high school, was knowing like these things that had happened in history, right? So for me, like thinking of a little kid enjoying the film, it's like how could you enjoy it as much as you did without really having some of the context? Because for me, like one of my favorite parts was when he calls in the the <laughs> hotel for Watergate. Because I was like, oh, my God, this dude ruined Nixon. I mean, in the film, obviously. Uh But, like, as a kid, that scene probably doesn't hit as hard. So what was it that you gravitated towards for both of you guys? For me, I think it was Tom Hanks playing the character. That's still, like, probably my favorite thing. Same, same. It was him and, I guess, the the framing device. Like, overall, I I still think it's a well-made film in... I feel like he's he must have had a huge impact on filmmakers today because of his because of Zemecki's films, you know, like and um, yeah, and like there's just like little things I was noticing throughout throughout Forrest Gump that I really liked and like stylistic things like, for example, he would have like his VO narrative, like just talking about what was happening to him. and He'll say something and I felt like a bug just bit my butt. And then he says, I think a bug <laughs> so, just bit me, but not not exactly yeah. like that. But he'll, there, so there were a lot of those. And bit me. Yeah, like there were a lot of instances where he'll say the narration and then the flashback that you're viewing oh, as an yes, audience, yes. You, you hear it afterwards. So like, I, 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 I don't yeah. know if that style existed like before Forrest Gump, but I do think that stylistic storytelling device is something that he... I don't know if he mastered it, but I mean, I guess you could say that for, for this film. 
Well, you could say that he definitely popularized it for sure. For sure, for sure. Because and I and the voiceover in this movie is extremely well made. I would put it like next definitely. to like how Scorsese does his voiceovers. Because some films will don't put the voiceover in awkward moments and won't feel like it's totally built in the story. But if you take the voiceover out of this film, I don't know how well it would hold up. Yeah, and I think that also lends itself to the kind of. Um, you don't really know where the story's going, you know, but it's kind of like a biographical story. It's not a yeah. narrative fiction, even though it is a narrative fiction. It just feels like you're listening to someone tell a story about what happened to them. It's, you know what I mean? It's really well crafted because I think he he shot those scenes of the flashbacks with the video, with the narration in mind. Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah definitely. Like, it, it, it goes well so well together. It's not like, oh, he shot it and then. And then they tried to put the VO to fit it later on. Like it was something that they had like developed beforehand to make it seem so seamless like that. Yeah. One of the funniest parts of the movie is like, I can tell that they had thought of the narr- the narration before when he's in Vietnam and Lieutenant Dan's like, get down, shut up. And then you can see Forrest is like looking around at his platoon. Like, I don't know much, but I think America's finest were in that platoon with me. There was Tex, from Cleveland or whatever, you know. No, he, he no, he was like, there was Tex. I don't know what part of the United States he was from. Yeah. Lieutenant Dan was always getting these funny feelings about a rock or a trail or the road, so he'd tell us to get down, shut up, get down, shut up. So we did. Now I don't know much about anything, but I think some of America's best young men served in this war. There was Dallas from Phoenix. Cleveland, he was from Detroit. Hey, Tex. Hey, Tex. Man, what the hell's going on? And Tex was... Well, I don't remember where Tex come from. Ah, nothing. As, like, the narration is saying that, he he gives, like, a really confused look towards Tex so you could see that he's thinking about what the narration is saying. (laughs) (laughs) It still makes me laugh. Well, I think Lieutenant Dan does say, get down, shut up, after he says it in the narration, too, like, immediately after that. So, like, it's just really great editing. And another part I liked about Lieutenant Dan was when they were talking about all his forefathers or all his descendants (laughs) having been in the military and dying in the same way. And it was just so well edited. Like, it was so smooth. Like, you don't really see something like that anymore. That is funny, too. The, The editing in this film is incredible. Because they they designed the film in a way where there it flows naturally, right? Mm-hmm. And when they when they talk about Lieutenant Stan's family, it's filmed they're filmed from the same angle, quick, quickly, easily, and they kind of I like that scene a lot because it kind of almost foreshadows that he's going to die, right? Yeah, it's his destiny. And then no, it turns out he doesn't <laughs> die. In fact, he loses his legs. His number one rule, take care of your your feet. Exactly, yeah. yeah. That much thought is put into a lot of little scenes. And for the voiceover, my favorite part, you mentioned it earlier, Heather, was when he's like, man, it was something, it was like something bit me. Ah, <laughs> something bit me. That was, that wasn't done in the editing room. I think that was done mm-hmm. in the writing process and the yeah, entire yeah. film is done that way. I also noticed another part, and this is like in the very first flashback when he um, when he talks about the nice shoes that the woman on the on the bench has, and he s- closes his eyes and he looks like he's squinting. 
And then it cuts to him as a child squinting his eyes as the doctor is putting the braces yeah. on him. So, like, there's a lot of forethought in how they were planning out every single scene. Like, it wasn't just done. There's a connective tissue, mm-hmm. whether it's sonically or visually in the cut. There's It le- it leads into it, which is mm-hmm. really fascinating. It's because it, if the film is two hours and 22 minutes, but you don't feel it. Oh, no, not at all. This film is constructed very well because it goes in from one moment to another. But it's a very strange movie because it almost seems like the entire film is like a and then, right? Like it it doesn't feel like one scene. It's very strange because like a lot of screenwriting people will say, don't do this. If you do and then and then that's bad. But this film does that. It doesn't mm-hmm. really, this film doesn't really have an inciting incident. There's not a moment when someone's like, Forrest, you need to go to college. Or it just kind of happens. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's not like a beginning, middle, and end kind of thing. It's like, it's like a train of thought. I went to yeah. school. I went to college. I went to war. I won ping pong. Yeah. And that's, it, it feels counterintuitive. But it works really fucking well here. Like yeah. I, I do, I do like how they introduce him going into college too, because I think it just cuts to the other football player throwing a ball to him. Run for us, and then he's like, "Okay," <laughs> and he just goes off and runs. He well, runs through the band. <laughs> oh, another another thing adding to like the connective thing that you were talking about, Heather. It's funny how there are different versions of run forest run because you get uh-huh. the two of them yeah. from Jenny early on, but then it's like. Then you get it from the football player, and then you get someone's like, "Run, you son of a bitch, run!" Yeah, Bubba tells him to run when they're getting ambushed. It just in Vietnam. It constantly happens throughout the entire film, and that's kind of what the film. That's the, how the film is assembled. People tell Ford his Forrest to do something, he does it, and that's and- <laughs> the film. But it works really well. Like I'm not angry at it. I'm not even saying it's bad. I'm like. Yeah. Shit, I, I don't know if other films could do this. I also <laughs> can't care. really imagine another actor doing this because Tom Hanks Absolutely does it not. so well. I can't yeah. imagine anyone else like doing this. Like I've read that maybe the author had had, had pictured like John Goodman. Yeah, so yeah, that's what I read too. Which I, I can't really picture at all, you know? No. Um, no, I, no disrespect to John Goodman. but No, no. exactly. But like I think um, it was Tom Hanks was like the first perfect perfect person to cast into it you know and I think robin he, wright is wonderful too she's so yeah. she's gorgeous oh, and we, amazing i love we gotta character. we gotta talk about robin wright uh right, her character yeah. uh because that's a huge thing but yeah. I, I think the tom hanks is the best part of the film i mm-hmm. think and that's not to totally. talk down the, uh, the rest of the film but Mm-mm. he is so likable just you you sympathize with him to the point where you know, what is this movie trying to say politically about the wars, about the people being killed, about Jenny, about Bubba, or, uh, Bubba, Lieutenant Dan? It's people are kind of confused about that. But in the end of the day, you still you always go back to the heart of the film, which is Gump. Yeah. And you like seeing him succeed. But ultimately, it's bittersweet because he had a little bit of time with Jenny, but he's still sad when she like he's super sad when she's gone. And oh, man, it just breaks your heart. Forrest really is the heart of the entire film. Um, the best, And Tom Hanks deserved the Oscar, I think. Mm-hmm. I will say, for the first, like, five minutes of the film, re-listening to Tom Hanks do that voice was a little jarring. 
it was just a little uh, like oh man this kind of hasn't aged well but mm-hmm. by minute but by minute six i was like oh no this is good okay like i'm invested i did see how he came up with the voice which makes me feel a little bit better about it like i don't think he's trying to do like a stereotypical person with special needs voice he was trying to do the voice of like the the kid actor who plays young forest Forrest Gump, the famous voice that you use as, as Forrest, it came from a specific person. Young Michael Connor Humphreys, who played young Forrest Gump, we were trying to... <laughs> Bob Zemeckis came to me and said, hey, we got a problem here. You're going to have to teach this kid how to talk the way you want to talk. And I thought, why don't, why don't I just talk the way he talks right now? And so we started hanging out with him. And he was from uh, Mississippi, deep in Mississippi, and he had this he had this hard G at the end of his if he said it wasn't thinking, it was thinking. Uh, <laughs> it wasn't making, it was making. And says, what does uh, what does your, your father do? My 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 daddy makes grease. That's what he said. <laughs> and he said he make he I don't understand. Is grease something you make? Yes. <clears throat> he says, what do you do with grease? Well grease goes into all different sorts of products. <laughs> I said, well, like, what products? Oh, grease goes into lipsticks. <laughs> and I was like, well, I'm not, this is it. This is it. At least that's, that's how Tom, Tom Hanks tells it on the Graham Norton show. It makes sense because then it's like Forrest kind of never really totally grew up. You know what I yeah. mean? Like he's still in that same state of mind, but he's taller. He's a bit more aware of things, but okay. That makes sense. I, I like that explanation. I wanted to get into I mean the stuff that didn't hold up cuz well, I think there's a lot of that. Well, but, not I don't know if hold up is like the right the right way to describe it. It's just weird. Right? Yeah. Like I mm. I don't know how I feel about the whole Jenny thing. You know, yeah, oh, really cuz yes. she's definitely like very his her character is used by his character more or less and um it, it, I just feel like so much terrible shit happens to her too. You know? Yeah, and it's like, why? It almost feels kind of like, uh, like just sucker punching someone, and it's like for, why for his sake, for the, for the sake of his character, or to juxtapose her character against him. And that's why this movie's weird because we talked about the script being a little different, right? Like it's not a, a hundred percent Hollywood script, right? And also, this movie is really dour and kind of raunchy and dark and wild at times like i made a list said raunchy dark wild things in forrest gump and i'm just gonna name a few of the things that happened right and this is in the first 40 minutes of the film a film that a lot of kids watched growing up including two of our listeners uh, two two of our speakers here all right they watched (laughs) it as kids all right and so these are weird things that happen in, in forrest gump right Forrest is named after a, the first KKK Grand Wizard. <laughs> I do, I do love how he describes it. He's like, yeah, he just wore blankets and like ran around on horses, like a bunch of ghosts. <laughs> and, I, and I wonder if his like innocent, like character, kind of makes it seem like he's not, he shouldn't be held accountable for like his those kind of things you know and i wonder Mm -hmm. that we can get into this later on too but like maybe his characterization of being kind of this innocent dope makes it easier to like take in some of the darker parts of the histories that they go over you know absolutely i i totally see i absolutely agree with you totally but it, it also raises questions about his mom like why would his mom 
do that. <laughs> yeah. Now, when oh I was God. a baby, Mama named me after the great Civil War hero, General Nathan Bedford Forrest. She said we was related to him in some way, and what he did was he started up this club called the Ku Klux Klan. They'd all dress up in their robes and their bed sheets and act like a bunch of ghosts or spooks or something. They'd even put bed sheets on their horses and ride around. And anyway, that's how I got my name, Forrest Gump. Mama said that the Forrest part was to remind me that sometimes we all do things that, well, just don't make no sense. Can we can we talk about the scene where he, um, speaking of raunchy, like that scene where he imitates the princess? <laughs> it cracks me up so much. So I feel like it's like a dumb twelve year old for laughing at it, but here I am now. Uh, you know? <laughs> wait, the, the, wait, what part are we talking about? When she sleeps with the principal? Mm-hmm. And then yeah. he mimics this when the principal oh. comes out, and he he just looks at him and makes the same noise. That the oh. That that goes. That's number. That's number two on my list. Mrs. Gump sleeping with principal. That's another dark thing in this film. Uh, yeah. ro- real quick. The third thing is Jenny being assaulted by her father. Being assaulted mm-hmm. sexually is. It's very clear. It's that, very clear. That she's a victim of sexual I, assault. I didn't understand. I actually have a distinct memory of not understanding that. And my brother explained to me, like, when I get older, that I will understand what, what, what happened, like, what was wrong oh, that her dad did. Because I, I do think they didn't show anything explicitly, but it was very much implied. Yeah. You know? At the age I was, which is probably like seven or eight, it, I was confused by that. And then, but and my brother was just explaining to me, he, he just said, her father did something very bad. You won't understand this until you're a little older. That's, and, and how, mm. how do you even talk about that to a kid asking? That's a super dark, raunchy, wild thing that happens in Forrest Gump in the first 40 minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's Forrest, uh, when Jenny takes off her bra, Forrest, it's implied that he ejaculates on the roommate's yeah, wardrobe. That that scene made me super uncomfortable. Yeah, because yeah. it doesn't seem like he has the the understanding of what's happening. No, and she she grabs his hand and puts it on her. I do love the sh- the shot of the roommate like at the end of the scene. Yeah, because I think that shot was like me watching that scene in my apartment. <laughs> oh man! Like what the fuck is going on? <laughs> I had some. I had a weird flashback to when I was in school because that shit happened to me. I was the roommate. <laughs> and I was just oh, like, God. I was facing the wall and I was like, just, oh, just uh, go to your happy place. Go to your happy place. <laughs> so I was, it, it brought back some cringy. I feel like it's a it's a common thing that happens when you're in a shared oh, yeah. dorm. I mean, it, it, I don't think it's happened to me uh, with the roommates I've had, but like, that's, that's not, like, that's pretty, like, not. It's common. <laughs> it happens. It happens. Um, and then you get both Kennedy brothers getting shot and killed. Uh, then you have the governor blocking the school. Uh, George the, Wallace. Yeah, for for the, the so the black kids can't go into the school. Uh, Jenny being on the Playboy magazine and getting uh, getting uh, yelled at and harassed at the uh, not strip club but the burlesque club maybe oh yeah the the, the gentleman's uh, club the gentleman's club <laughs> and, yeah oh and then jenny being suicidal too like kind of hinting at her suicide so all of these things that we just talked about coming on a bathrobe death sexual assault all of this is in the first 40 minutes of the film what the oh, fuck there's, 
Isn't Vietnam in the first 40 minutes too? He tells Jenny at the 40 minute mark that he's leaving the, to Vietnam. But that, that just even proves my point. Like right after the 40 minute mark, he goes to Vietnam. And what happens in Vietnam during the Vietnam War? Nothing good. People you die. Don't really, you don't really see the actual Vietnam War. It just seems like he's yeah. hanging out in paradise. Well, I mean, as as someone who's like the daughter of Vietnamese refugees and like, it's, it's always been really awkward watching the Vietnam War being depicted in film. And I, I do think, at least for this one, they, they never showed any um, actual fighting or like killing enemies or anything like that. Like you, you it, it's, I, I think it's done in a way where they kind of avoided too much conflict. And for yeah. me, at least it made it less awkward with my parents to watch as mm-hmm. it would be with like other movies. Like I would never watch, for instance, Tropic Thunder with my parents, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, you wouldn't watch Tropic Thunder. No, 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 no. Okay. Like just, or just like movies that would depict more like killing of civilians in Vietnam. Cause I think that would be way too Like triggering. Full Metal Jacket or yeah, that kind uh, of, Apocalypse that kind Now. Of thing. Although I, I do understand like those are very well like acknowledged films in the in, in when you're talking about the, the history of cinema. Um, mm-hmm. But to, to, but one of the things my my parents always kind of like laughed about Boris Gump was how he pronounced Vietnam. So it, it's pronounced <laughs> Vietnam. Vietnam is how like, you pronounce it in Vietnamese. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think he says it Vietnam. Or how, how does he say it? <laughs> And it's hard for me to exaggerate. That was perfect. That something was perfect. like that. Yeah, but like my parents always like kind of like thought it was funny that how he pronounced it, like in a, in yeah. an endearing way. Man, that is saying something though. Like a Vietnamese immigrants, like the only gripe they have with those scenes is the way he pronounces the name. Yeah, that's pretty. Well, I mean, I think it's part of like um, Asian culture not to like really, or just, or actually, mm-hmm. just older generations not to talk about your feelings. So I don't think yeah, I ever, yeah, I never, I never really talked about like the more triggering things that my parents might have experienced watching like Vietnam War movies. Mm-hmm. But I think of the of the movies like this is this this didn't depict too much violence, but it did do do a good job of like at least showing the tragedy and the loss from it without having to glorify violence or anything like that well i don't yeah. even think uh we see any vietnamese really. people in the no no just, not at all just the people in the the marsh yeah you don't even see their faces no no i don't even think they they say like Viet Cong or anything like it seems like they're just they call there it charlie and- he's like we were always looking for someone named charlie <laughs> which is which is yeah which it's, is kind of like an innocent way of like approaching <laughs> such a heavy, sensitive topic, you know? Yeah. Well, it's it it's like you it's like you said earlier. Like maybe he has like a dopey sense of reality that he like he doesn't understand what the KKK is, and he doesn't understand who Charlie is. So he's not bringing in like a racial bias or like mm-hmm. a white supremacy yeah. thing. He's just coming at it from somebody told me to join, so I joined. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Which makes which kind of really lends it that levity. Because, I mean, yeah, whenever you have films talking about Vietnam, it could get really dark and mm-hmm. really dangerous in its portrayal. And this movie is like, eh, we're not really focused on the war. We're focused on Gump and mostly his relationship with Bubba. I, I love his relationship with Bubba. Yeah. I feel like that's the first um, friend that's good for him in the movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He doesn't try and take advantage of him in any way. He's just... They just want to have their shrimp company together. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. it's so so. Also, it's kind of crazy that there was a shrimp, the the bubble gump shrimp company yeah. that was made up, or the restaurant chain. 
Yeah, I see when we were recording the first part of this episode, I thought that the, the that company had existed before and that there's like, <laughs> oh, his name is Gump. Let's let's have him meet Bubba and invent Bubba Gump. But no, I was wrong. The success of this movie gave birth to a very successful shrimp franchise. <laughs> and they have 42 locations worldwide. I've never been to Bubba Gump. I've never I've, been to one either. I want to, but I'm also not crazy about shrimp. <laughs> <laughs> So, I think we should talk about Jenny, because bro, what the fuck? Yeah, is... like it. So it does sidestep like the Vietnam, the horrors of the Vietnam War, but like it makes me question, like why did they add all that stuff with Jenny? Like the sexual assault, the drug overdose, the suicidal thoughts, like dying from AIDS, like uh, also her abusive partner to her. Abusive, um, so many constantly. Yeah. The 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 guy that who was like the really radical dude. That she was with was, yeah. was was abusive to her too. They don't even mm-hmm. go into it, but there's that person that's like the, when she runs away from like the rocker from the guy in the mm-hmm. band who's asleep in bed. She's leaving too, and she has a bruised eye. Yeah. So it is a reoccurring thing. I have so uh, to catch you up, Heather. One of the things mm-hmm. that I the two things I wanted to focus on when I was rewatching the film is what is the film ultimately about? Like, what's the theme? what's what's happening what am i supposed to get out of it and the other thing is what's the deal with jenny like as a kid or as in high school i wasn't i I didn't like jenny because to me Mm. none of this made sense because i was like why can't she just be with forrest she loves him clearly and i very much sided with forrest but Mm. i was like clearly that's been 10 or so year or more than that Mm -hmm. like how do i feel about jenny now and i was wrong i feel really bad but uh, I, I'm still confused. <laughs> I think it's just her her characterization. Like she's just made for for Tom Hanks' character, like for Forrest Gump. I I don't know if she really has like um her own role in the movie. If you if that makes sense, like her role yeah. was serving forces like uh, growth throughout the film. Yeah, she was just like a helpless bird. Basically, mm-hmm. and I feel like that was like part of her character to um to I don't I don't know what it, make, what it's what I don't know exactly what it was trying to serve. It but. does really her her like life path is so different, so like like I would say opposite like on the political spectrum of what Forrest's path is. Mm-hmm. Because you have Forrest, who you know he stays in Alabama, he plays for Alabama State, he serves his country. And then he he uh, becomes a self made millionaire. <laughs> I forgot a, about a that. A business owner. He he's a business championing owner. the capitalistic dream. Yeah, like so for his life path is like <laughs> what all the Republicans say. Why can't you just go and do that? You know what I mean. Mm-hmm. And meanwhile, Jenny's life she goes towards like the counterculture, like more liberal mm-hmm. side of things. Like she, she experiments with drugs. She goes like traveling with these hippies. She's with a guy who's in connected with the Black Panther Party. She goes to the discotheques and, and all this, all this stuff. She's kind of like and, a nomad. Like yeah. she's just kind of moving place to place. Right. And, and Forrest's character is someone who likes to follow the rules. He does, he thrives in an environment where he's, um, he just needs to follow direction, which is why, like, which is kind of funny when you watch the scene when he's in the boot camp or in, or whatever it is training 
and the 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 guy who's yelling at him, the officer or general or whatever the hell you call, it, he said, "Your IQ must be so high and and whatever," because <laughs> he's so good at following directions. You know, yeah. He he likes to have a structured path, and Jenny is like just the complete opposite. And it feels like the film is punishing her for it while rewarding yes Forrest. Kind of does, yeah. In a it, way. I don't know if that was the intention. I don't think it was intentional. I don't think it was either. But yeah. as I'm watching it, that's what that's what I'm getting out of it. And it's yeah. like, uh, there's that scene um, when he's on stage uh, with Abby Hoffman um, at the, the protest by the mm-hmm. Washington Monument, where mm-hmm. you see Jenny come like running uh, in the river, right? And with then the he runs thingy. over. Yeah. Yeah. And like, <clears throat> after watching the movie, I'm like, Oh no, I can't help but feel that way. That like I don't want Jenny to to come back to Forrest's life because they're clearly so different. Even though they did went through, they had their childhood together was really significant though because she was mm-hmm. he was one of her first friends too. But yeah, obviously the focus of the film is on Forrest, so we don't really ever see things from her point of view in a way. And like I, I'm not really sure what Forrest has served for her. His character, you know, like I don't know I guess what stability. Well, I I guess he serves as like her hero, like he's her savior. Yeah. Well, he constantly gets her. He whenever people beat up on her, disrespect her, he's always there. Um, right. Yeah. And he he's kind of like the knight in shining armor, which he's a white knight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's it's interesting because so it's almost like she's a foil to Forrest, right? Yeah. Because they're both kind of nomads in a way, but she's definitely part of like the counterculture movement where Forrest is the mainstream culture. They he'll go anywhere as long as people tell him to do it. Right? Hey, you were serving in the war, but now we want you to play ping pong. All right, you know. And same with Jenny, mm-hmm. the guy in front of the Chinese theater. He's like, hey, you guys want to go up NorCal? And she's like, all right, let's do it. They're, so they're they're from the same background. They kind of have the same way of living. Where it's like, hey, we're just going to do whatever comes up. But I always got the impression that Forrest would always run to where he was going. Whereas Jenny was always running away. But that's what Jenny told him to do, too. Yeah, it, it, exactly. She's, she almost serves as a foil to him. So we, so in a weird way, we like Forrest more. Do you know what I mean? Like, it really, at certain points, it feels like Jenny right. is there just so we could make Forrest Gump seem even better and one of the examples of that is whenever he saves her and she gets mad at him for saving her it makes her seem like oh why are you mad at him for doing that but it's also like i can understand that he's just being like extremely like overprotective and like she controlling but the other thing you have to remember is that she had a very abusive childhood and she's probably used to um being raised by someone who's abusive and also she likely has really serious trust issues if her own father was doing what he did to her, you know? Yeah. So, um, I think that's something to consider, but you don't, they, the film doesn't really go into that very much, but that's also something that like, that did happen to her and is something that people who survived sexual abuse, like have gone through, you know, Mm -hmm. it's, I think it's, you're absolutely right. It's kind of like this thing of like, we need to make our main character likable in a way. So we're going to put someone next to them that kind of does. He can rescue. So Mm -hmm. they can rescue that they need help. Even though in the end of the day, it's like, yeah, she went through some horrible shit. Like at a young age too, like that is going to psychologically fuck with her 
for the rest of her life, which it does. Yeah, which it yeah. does, and that's why she keep. That's probably why she kept like going into abusive relationships. Why she got into drugs. She just didn't know how to deal with what she went through. In a way, this film is talking a lot about mental illness without really intending to. Too, I think, just like mental trauma and emotional trauma too. Well, it, I think it also talks about family values, like the necessity of family, like a, a good family, because you know Forrest had his mother by his side, which if she was a Confederate sympathizer, we don't know. Um, I, I think she was. <laughs> it's interesting because neither of them had a nuclear family, though. Like, he had his That's mother, true. but he didn't have his father. His father was, quote, unquote, always on vacation yeah. until she said one day that he's never coming back. So he never grew up with a father, too. So that's the other thing. But he he did grow up with, like, a, in a loving environment, though, because his house was um, a hostel or whatever. It was like where, I mean, that's how you met Elvis because the travelers were staying yeah. in their house too. So he got to be around, surrounded by people. And every time he goes home, someone knows his name, you know, like one of the, uh, the, the people who are working on the, on the mansions with them. His mother was very much like, there's nothing wrong with you. Like if the, she, one, one of my favorite lines is like, if God wanted everyone to be uh, special, he would have put braces on their legs. You know what I mean? Like she's doing everything yeah. she can to like lift him yeah. up. And I, it's not shown, but I guarantee you that Jenny's dad did not do that to her at all. He did the mm -hmm. opposite. And that kind of leads me to believe like maybe the film is saying something about the, the, the values of families, like maybe not a nuclear family, but like if you have someone there who's willing to fight for you and teach you the right ways and stand by your side, it could take you really far i mean the entire film forrest is constantly quoting his mom and kind of right. sharing the knowledge that she shared with him even though it who knows what life is like a box of chocolates you know ultimately what does that mean <laughs> he never mean? questions her he never questions her he always says that oh my mother has an explanation for everything yeah and and she was there during his college graduation uh she was there when he met the presidents like she was always there Regardless of maybe Jenny was written this way or maybe she was written for four. It doesn't regardless. I think we can all agree that Rob Robin Wright killed it. Like she mm -hmm. did a fantastic. She did a fantastic mm -hmm. job. She because yeah. watching it this time. Fuck. Like I paid way more attention to the Jenny scenes and I really felt for her. Yeah. Robin Wright doesn't have that much screen time in the film, but I feel like every minute she's in it, she is delivering a lot of different things to convey to us. Mm -hmm. She is, she is kind of a rebel. She's kind of like fuck the system, but also she loves Forrest. But also, there's this under this uh, thing holding her back from him, like internally. What do you think that is? Well, I think whatever she interprets his mental disability as, I guess, like, like I think this, yeah. before 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 she sleeps with him or whatever, she says like I I don't think you'll ever be able to love me. Or you don't know love. Or that's like something that was repeated through the film. Uh, she says between that the two of after them. the um, the bar where she's playing the guitar naked. Yeah. So right before he leaves for Vietnam, and also they go back to it when when they meet again. Yeah. In, in his house after his mom dies. When she's saying, um, yeah. Yeah. So they go through that twice, and I think she just interprets his intellectual disability as not being able to quote-unquote lover or have that kind of emotional capability to have like a relationship with her even though he does actually love her so i wonder what if it's that but also maybe she just has a really 
like bad trust issues because of what she's gone through. But also, like he's been there for her the entire time. But maybe that's why she doesn't want to be with him because it could remind her of her trauma. Like I don't know. Do you think it's also maybe a I don't deserve you kind of thing? A little bit, maybe. Yeah. I I think that's part of it. Cause part I really... of it, but I don't think that's the whole reason though. And I think that's why Jenny's like probably the most interesting character in terms of the film. Because mm-hmm. while I like Forrest the most, I think Jenny's the most interesting because she feels the most human. Because she's someone who wants certain things but isn't sure whether she deserves them or how to get them. She feels really emotionally conflicted, which is kind of true for most of us. I mean, yeah, we'll, we'll say we want these things and once we have them, we discard them. Or it's, it's very strange. She feels really human in this movie. Um, and Rob, and you, I agree, like Robin Wright like does such a great job of playing her character. I think um, that's interesting that you didn't like her when you when you first watched the film in high school, but then having grown and like experienced whatever you experienced and that you 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 have a totally different view of her now. Well, it's yeah. it's funny because uh, and that's I, the thing. That's why we do this podcast because yeah. like, we are different people than when we saw these movies the first time. So our feelings about them have changed. And and you're talking about it. I saw this in junior high school. It hasn't even been that long, maybe a little over 10 years or something. But even in, the, in those 10 years, you could your perspective changes a lot. I think yeah. one of the reasons being I loved Forrest and it was very much like, why don't you like him? Like he's doing this for yeah. you. Gosh, a dumb bitch. You know, <laughs> you can't yeah. you can't help. Right. Especially high school, but... Oh, yeah. yeah. There's, like, Reddit threads talking about how Jenny's the villain of the movie. Which is, this like... Is still something that people still believe. It's funny because in college, like, in my first year... Co- in high school, I didn't know what feminism was, right? Mm. I, I didn't I didn't have a clue of what that was. It wasn't until college when I started dating someone and they kind of explained it to me. And even then, <laughs> I was like, well, why can't you just be a humanist? It, it's oh, yeah. Boy. Oh, oh, oh boy. yeah. No. But <laughs> How did she take? That? <laughs> <laughs> she she was polite. You know, she was as understanding as she could be. But like, if, but like talking to her and kind of mm. listening to other different people's experiences and kind of watching more media that focuses on like women's experiences and stuff. Like, I'm not saying I'm all woke and shit, but I'm definitely way more than what I was in high school. Now it's it's gotten to the point where I may not understand Jenny. I don't understand everything that's happening to her, but instead of feeling like she's the villain of the film, I'm thinking she is a tragic character Mm -hmm. and there's a lot happening there. And I kind of wish the film went into it a little bit more. Yes. I think that's my, my main, like watching it now, I have a real problem with Jenny. I, I don't think that they go into what's going on with her enough. Yeah. It's just very surface level. And it's like, look at how, look at this poor broken bird. You know yeah. what I mean? Well, I don't know who Jenny is. It, it almost romanticizes her tragedy. Yes. In, in a weird fucked up way it does. Because mm-hmm. you're looking at it from the perspective of, well, he's trying to help you. Just why don't you take the hand? When, it's, when in yeah. reality, it's like, dude, it is a lot more complicated than that. She mm-hmm. is dealing with trauma from a young age from a man that was supposed to take care of her and did irreparable damage to her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she's also, and this is leading her down a path. My my cousin um, is, is homeless and she's drug addicted and it pains us. 
and it really kind of lets you know like when you're from an, when you're an outsider and you're looking at other people who are addicted to drugs you're kind of like well you know like if they were a good person you shouldn't do drugs right. you know, i yeah. i i credit that to the dare program that's how they yes. taught us but yeah. but when it's with your own family and you kind of understand she dealt with certain shit and this led to other family members dealing with it and it's not black and white it's really difficult and i think this film treats jenny in a very black and white manner from from forrest's perspective maybe forrest doesn't really understand it so that so then as the audience we're we're seeing it through his perspective mm, so that's true i don't think he but, fully understands what's going right. on with her too shit i don't understand and but I, then if that's the case then i don't need to see her in the the high-rise apartment like listening to freebird about to jump off the ledge you yeah. know yeah. I don't need to see all of that abuse then, you know? And every time that she comes back, it goes into the narration and a montage of them hanging out. What are they talking about? What is their relationship besides, you're my girl, Jenny, you know? Yeah, like, that yeah. Was a, that's, that's a really good question, actually, because Forrest has strong feelings for her because she was she was nice to him when nobody else would, right? Okay, cool. But what does what's what do they talk about? Like, do they what kind of like do they talk about music? Did they ever go to the movies? Yeah. Like, what like what are their conversations like? Like, I know part mm-hmm. of it is like, hey, Jenny, mm-hmm. what have you been doing for the past year or two? And she's kind of telling. And it's okay, a montage of like counterculture stuff. Yeah, which yeah. hey, that's part of it. You know, everybody catches up, but to a certain extent, it's like, well, we're all cut up now. I'll see you in another two years, and we'll catch up again. It's kind of like what. What it's like it, they tried to put these two characters who are really contrasted, and you you can clearly see this when they're at the Capitol, mm-hmm. and um, she's like dressed in her like her her flower girl wear that yeah. kind of thing, and he's like dressed to the nines in his uniform, and it's super that sharp and trip, clean, Boris. and it, and and they just look so like contrasted from each other, and I. It, it's it's almost like it's blatant how they're trying to do that, but I also don't know what the fuck they're talking about because they're always like, <laughs> oh, we're, we're like peas and carrots. So like, how? Like, how? <laughs> like, how? Yeah. And I, the I, thing I, is, you do get, like, what kind of relationship, what kind of rapport that he has with Bubba. You get it with Lieutenant Dan. Mm-hmm. Why can't we do it for Jenny? The yeah. one female friend that he has. Le- yeah. Yes. Like, in the few scenes that Bubba is in, I get who he is. I get his relationship. Hey, we're going to go in business together. And when he dies, that relationship fucked Forrest up a bit where he's like, I'm going to start a business in honor of my friend and I'm going to give the money to his family. That is how much Bubba means to him. And Lieutenant Dan too. Lieutenant Dan was there when he first went into war, introduced himself. And he wasn't he wasn't a dick, but he wasn't a nice guy either to Forrest. But there's there's a rapport there. But with Jenny, it just feels like I'm supposed to like that they're together. And I never weird, do. I, well, I'm never glad to see her come back. I it kind of fucked with me a little bit because when you see Jenny in bed at the very end, right before she dies, I I was really sad. It is that that was a beautiful scene when um when she's in bed and it goes through the montage of all the, the different things he's seen. I couldn't tell where. Heaven stopped and the earth began. It was so beautiful. I wish I could have been there with you. You were. 
I love you. One of my objectives was figuring out what the fuck is this movie trying to tell me. I watched the film. I didn't really get what the theme was. I didn't understand what was the life lesson I was supposed to learn. I can't even tell you if this is like a romantic drama movie. I don't know what the genre is. It's strange. For me, I just thought it was it was something about the American identity and psyche. And I think American exceptionalism is also a part of it. But it's also something that's kind of like this cinematic version of like the ideal American at the time, I think. And it's also like, this is like in 90, it came out in 94, written in like 80 something, right? And so like all these, all those things that happened were things in the past by the time the, the story of Forrest Gump was even created. So um, I think it's also this, this nostalgia for for that kind of past. There's something, there's something nostalgic about it. Definitely. Totally. I think that's why a lot of people love this movie. It's because it reminds them of things that they lived through. Absolutely. Both those points. And I think you hit it right on the head, Heather, where it's like American identity. Because mm-hmm. I did what any confused person does nowadays. I went to YouTube. <laughs> and I, I was like, what the fuck is Forrest Gump about? Yeah. And I saw a video that kind of put their own spin on what it is. It's called the myth, uh, Forrest Gump, the myth of America. I was like, Mm. the myth? I was like, that's pretty interesting. And what they basically do is like, it's a symbolic journey and every character is supposed to represent a certain aspect of America. Mm. And when they framed it like this, then it started making a bit more sense. Gump is supposed to represent kind of like a regular middle-class person, like someone who just wants to get through the day fine. They talked about how uh, Mrs. Gump represents like family values, the folk wisdom right that that older generations can impart on newer generations i'm not sure how i like that (laughs) well when you think about the kkk thing it is one thing but i mean she gives forrest gump lessons she gives her son lessons that he carries throughout the entire film and imparts on other people then you have jenny and the way they describe jenny they said that she represents america's traumatic past like a past that is almost inescapable that we constantly always go mm. back to. I don't know if I agree with that completely. Yeah, same. Okay. Oh, how, how so? I can see why they're describing it as like the myth of America, but I don't know if Jenny quite represents like the trauma of America. If anything, she represents like the... Because she, she clearly contradicts... We keep going back to this point that she really contradicts Forrest and maybe Forrest represents like a certain American and she represents like this, this disruption of it or like this other part of America, but they're also still like best friends, peas and carrots, et cetera, that you see them together. But it's also like, like what we were saying earlier, like what the fuck are they talking about in these conversations that they're having? We don't really know, but like we keep seeing them side by side as if they're trying to say, Oh, look at these two people. They're so different, but but they're still best friends. Yeah. Going back to what you mentioned earlier about the them meeting up at the reflecting pool outside of the Lincoln Memorial, there mm-hmm. is something really cathartic about someone who looks like a hippie hugging someone who's in a military uniform. Mm, yeah. And yeah. outside of the Lincoln Memorial, yeah. surrounded by people. I felt the same too. Everyone yeah. cheering. There is something where it's. I thought that was really funny. The cheering. It's like, oh, it's like, oh let's, just, let's just forget about this protest and like yeah. cheer for these two people. I mean, we didn't even hear what he said. It's no. like, if y'all were watching this movie, I don't think y'all would be cheering right now. 
I no, I, I I thought it was really cathartic, and there is the imagery that shot alone speaks volumes. Like with the um, yeah, with the memorial be- standing behind him and stuff, it's kind of nice. Um, well, maybe maybe that's like how cinema kind of romanticizes a lot of things because that scene itself of everyone clapping for them and like that and and seeing the reflection and seeing the monument in the background like that, it's all very cinematic. So yeah. it's very romanticized in that sense. So like maybe this is like a way of how cinema can romanticize American history. Good point. Which is what mm-hmm. I feel like the the film is, or at least that's a part of it. For sure. Yeah. the the film the the video goes on to talk about how Bubba kind of represents the capitalistic spirit of America, about someone who wants to open up a business and kind of uh, do what they do what they've known how to do who's killed during the Vietnam War. So maybe that's, maybe they're commenting on the Vietnam War and how it affected people. I, I know for a fact that um, more Black Americans were drafted into the war and like mm-hmm. a significant number died from the war. So that, I don't know how much Bubba's like race plays into to his character, but I would imagine so when they were writing this. Um, oh, yeah. I don't know if it represents like, um, business starting or whatever but maybe more of like the the concept of pursuing the american dream yeah and and yeah like it's it's something that he thinks is attainable but like clearly his country does not share Mm -hmm. that dream with him yeah and then and lastly then you have lieutenant dan who they say kind of symbolizes like the the military tradition in america and how he's someone who values death over surviving because that's what a patriot does. Mm-hmm. I see. I can kind of see see that one. Yeah, it's really strange because when you look at these characters and kind of like the the vi- the video frames it, it's a symbolic journey where these characters kind of symbolize different aspects of America. That's when it starts clicking for me. Whether whether these actual these interpretations that the film is pose the video is posing, if you agree with them or not, I think it really starts begging the question: Is okay if this person doesn't represent that. What do they represent of America? And then you start seeing the picture kind of come together. It's like, oh, this this is a movie about America. It's a myth about America. It's yeah. about American identity, like you said, Heather. Mm-hmm. And they probably did this intentional. But if I'm looking at the poster for the film right now. Mm-hmm. And it's a white backdrop with red text and, a, and blue text as well. The red, white, and blue. The goddamn oh, yeah. flag. I just I noticed that right now. God damn it, it was right in front of us the whole time. (laughs) God damn it! (laughs) And I think that's really what the film is. Now, what's the theme? America might persevere or something? I don't know, but it's it's definitely about the American identity. This is an American film. It's as American as apple pie, which is a saying I've heard, but I don't know if it's true. And I don't know if that spirit of America or that, that sense of... Americana really exists anymore, which is why, in some ways, this film might feel outdated. But at the same time, like that, that was how people felt at the time, I think. And I, I think it really encapsulates how people felt about America in 1994, or at least that's what it was trying to do. Yeah, I, I think people are kind of over the romanticized America. I think they, they like yeah. the, the, let's get a nuanced perspective. But it's also, a romanticization of cinema for me too, because that style of filmmaking, um, it feels it feels really really specific to that age. Yeah, and it's interesting because I mean, if we look at the Oscars, right? 
mm-hmm. when this film was when this film won. I mean, it's going up it's against weeks, right. It's a it's a <laughs> sweet, easy, heartfelt film that's nostalgic about the past and optimistic about the future. Let's look at the films that it was going up against. Right, it was going up against Shawshank Redemption, which people would argue now is a is a is a classic. They, uh, what what magazine? Hold on, let me. Oh. The Hollywood Reporter pulled hundreds of Academy members, asking them to re-vote on past controversial decisions. Academy members indicated that given a second chance, they would have awarded the 1994 Oscar for Best Picture to the Shawshank Redemption. So people clearly, it seems like it was a film made for that specific time and people immediately resonated to it. But in Mm -hmm. terms of staying power, Shawshank Redemption. Say what you want about Tarantino, but Pulp Fiction has been fucking parodied. It's been, people have been inspired by it. It's an American classic. And then you have Four Weddings and a Funeral and Quiz Show, a rom-com and a movie about someone cheating on a quiz show directed by Robert Redford. (laughs) I haven't seen that movie. That movie sounds dope. I want to see that. We (laughs) haven't seen it, but it sounds incredible. So out of the five films, you have a film that is very American. And not America in a complicated way, right? It talks about the Vietnam War, but it doesn't say anything about the Vietnam War. It's very heartfelt and dramatic, but it also ends on a somewhat optimistic note. Looking back at it, it makes sense why Forrest Gump won. Oh, totally. It has Oscar written all over it. They love that shit. Or at least back then. (laughs) They still do. They still do. But they're they're crying. Oh, Oh, Austin. Thank you, because I was about to say, <laughs> watching this movie, I was like, this movie has Green Book written all over it, all <laughs> over it. I thought that. And look, and I liked, I like Green Book. I do. But, you know, there are some things where it's like, well, uh, you know, some some things yeah. aren't cool. Was that the one where on stage it was like a bunch of white producers like accepting the award? Or am I thinking of a different movie? Uh, that's a lot of movies. <laughs> that's a lot of <laughs> That's a lot. <laughs> you described like the past ten years were the Oscar winners, except for like Moonlight. Yeah, and even then, a bunch of white producers went up on stage yeah. at first. <laughs> I mean, that's the way most Oscars are win. Like, it's usually just a bunch of white people accepting awards. Uh, <laughs> oh, but it's it does so it does tell you something though. Like, it almost the the perception is that Forrest Gump won because of it was released it was the right film at the right time but in the end of the day yes. i get the impression that most people think it doesn't hold up they yeah. they i mean people admitted that they would have voted for Shawshank Redemption i still think it holds up but i just don't think it holds up in the way some other films do like i, I still like the movie mm-hmm. but Same. i wouldn't watch the movie like if it was coming out in 2021 but oh, you know no. what? Oh, that no. might change because they are remaking this movie. Oh, no. No. In Bollywood. Oh, in Bollywood. Okay. <laughs> and <laughs> oh, they, oh, wow. So <laughs> Yeah, they have been trying to make this movie for like eight years or something. Ten years, maybe. The script was written. Um, so is it adapted into like Indian culture? Yes, they're going to go through oh, Indian history. Uh, it's a Hindu. It's a Hindi uh, remake. Uh, veteran actor Anil Kapoor said he pitched the movie to fil- late filmmaker Kundans Shah. This was like a while ago, I think. It took a long time because they wrote the script, 
like 10 years ago and then the guy didn't read the script for like two years and then he's like oh this is great we should do it so then they tried to get the rights from paramount and it took about eight years and they were filming this um early 2019 into 2020 and of course covid happened and they had to like reschedule it and all this stuff so now it's going to be coming out in Christmas of 2021. The name of the movie is um, Lal Singh Chada. I, I don't know how to pronounce the name, but I'll like I'll link it in our episode notes and everything. And um, yeah, I'm kind of excited to see what they do with this movie. Okay, well, if it's if it's like that reinterpreted, then that that's okay. I was just thinking like, oh god, are they gonna make someone like? Is Forrest going to accidentally become friends with the Proud Boys and show up at the Capitol oh, Riots or something? <laughs> oh, <laughs> no. Like, can you He's imagine a- all the awful things that could have happened? Oh, my God. Dude, I read the <laughs> the some of the highlights of... Because they were going to do a sequel to this to Forrest Gump, to the 94 yeah. Forrest Gump yeah. with Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks, for the longest time, was like, I don't do sequels. And then Toy Story 2 happened. And yeah. he's like... <laughs> Never All mind. Right, I'm in. And the the writer, who's a very like accomplished good screenwriter, it's Eric Roth. He also wrote the mm. screenplay for Munich, which was covered a few episodes he ago. He did uh, the curious case of Benjamin Button. Yep, too, right? he he did the spiritual which has, successor. Which has, which has a very similar vibe to, yeah. to Forrest Gump. Yeah, so he, he wrote the script. They they bought the rights from the, the author. Uh there's a huge thing with the author too. Mm-hmm. Um, but about the rights, submitted the script September 10th, 2001. <laughs> and then 9-11 happened, and then they were like, well, we can't do this movie ever again. And they, they shelved it. Because in that, in that script, um, Forrest falls in love, or he has a relationship with a Native American woman who's working at a government building in Oklahoma, the one that gets blown up in a, a terrorist attack. I think it was um, the Timothy McVeigh thing, mm-hmm. the Oklahoma uh, City bombing. Yeah. Can you can you imagine seeing that in a post 9-11 like, cinematic landscape? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how it's, that would fly. The, the Oklahoma City thing, that's, that's actually kind of relevant to something that I'm actually currently working on. So, oh, wow. Um, so I'm so I'm a I'm a producer advice and I work on like short documentaries and I'm I'm working on something about oh, the Waco siege of 1993 and that event was something that kind of changed people's perception of like the FBI and the governing body and like mm-hmm. that kind of thing. But the how this ties in with the Oklahoma City thing is that the bombing the person who did the bombing he said that he did it because of Waco. Oh wow. shit. I wonder if maybe people's like perception of things at, at the time changed because of all these other events and maybe there was more of a distrust into into the into like the military body, the FBI, that mm-hmm. kind of thing, which which the Phil Forrest Gump kind of I don't know, glorifies is the right word for it, but it, it shows them in a positive light. Yeah, and it kind of shows the like protesters and like the black panthers as kind of like caricatures like cartoon villains exactly even though like the black panthers like their their impact on like the some of the things they did the free breakfast thing and like mm. i think they'd have an influence over like um providing lunches for people at school that kind of, like yeah. their 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 work 
influenced like other social work later on. Yeah. So, um, and they're only, anyway. given one, they're only given one scene. In the right. film. Like, they're, yeah. they're, they're not For even some mentioned. reason, there's just like a guy who's just holding a gun the entire time. Like he's right. about to yeah. shoot for But it's it. also like that was just how the Black Panthers were portrayed in general in yeah. the past. Like if they just been portrayed in a, in a negative light, even mm. though some of the social work that they pushed for like ended up becoming really impactful for like people who are in, in impoverished neighborhoods, that kind of thing. In the uh, like the the producers were saying in their acceptance speech of the Oscars that this is a non political film. It's about a human. It's about humans uh. and stuff. So, yeah, it's a humanist. <laughs> it's basically it's basically joy from O ten. Is why can't we be humans together? You know. You can make that argument, but also no. <laughs> but also, especially nowadays, like the like it's kind of fucked up, right? That it kind of portrayed certain things in a not so positive light, even though they did have positives to them. But nowadays, like it really feels like, no, you have to take a stance in whatever yeah. is happening, right? Because that's how political things yeah, are. Saying I'm non-political is a political statement. Yes. Right. And it's, it's, and I know we kind of want to touch upon his, um, his intellectual disability too. Yeah. And I think the filmmakers never intended to like, diagnose him with anything specific like it wasn't supposed to be a film about intellectual disabilities and i think that that made it made them depict it in a better way versus like you know the recent um controversy over sia's film music oh my god whatever, i wanted to talk about where that. i th and think the, the issue with that film is that she intended it to be a film about autism and that's why it's like kind of like fucked up how it, like all of that stuff happened or how it was depicted. And then you have also people talking about the casting. Because yeah. Sia casted yeah. people who were not... Uh, who were neurotypical? Yeah. I've heard about music. And I know it has to do with about people with disabilities. I'm not sure if it's autism or... Yeah, it's it's someone it's someone who has autism. And the, and the actress does not have it, obviously. And that was part of the issue, too. I think there's this idea in Hollywood. It seems like there's this idea in Hollywood where it's like... Can't we just appreciate the art and can't we just send a positive message regardless of what of what's happening in the real life? Like kind of like that, like that Oscar speech. It's like this isn't a political film. It's a film about humans. Yeah. OK, on a base level. Isn't yeah. every movie about humans? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Like, can't we Even just. Even the ones that are not, they're really about human struggles, you know? <laughs> yeah. And it's, and it's this whole thing about well, we're just trying to tell a good story. Like, why do you have to get so upset that Tom Hanks isn't actually, doesn't have a disability? Why do you get upset that Jenny maybe doesn't have a lead role? Why do you get upset that we had one scene with the Black Panthers? Why do you get upset that we're not showing counterculture, the positives to counterculture? Wait, were, were people, is that the criticism they were facing? No, no, that, that, the... no, no they, weren't, they weren't facing that at the time. That was what they huh. were selling. Why can't we have a film that's just about positivity? Mm. Like, yes, we don't have scenes that explain Jenny's struggle. Yes, we don't have scenes with more about, we don't go into the Black Panther movement, but why does it matter? We're telling a good story. I think, and that's the myth that Hollywood has had for a while. It, I think it's part of the reason they made Green Book. Like, yes, like we could, we could have a movie about, um, uh, I, f I forgot, um, Herschel Ali's character, but it's really about the end of racism. That's the myth that Hollywood has been selling. Mm. And I think now more so than ever, people are like, no, like we're done with that. We've had Forrest, we've had decades of it. We've had Forrest Gump. We've had this. Now it's time to push forward films 
that talk about all of these things and give them their due respect. And I think that's why people are calling out uh, music, see his new film. I think that's why people are championing films like uh, Judas and the Black Messiah. They're talking about, they're, they're saying, all right, this is a myth that you've been telling yourself. And sure, it was cool for a while, but we're over it. We want diversity. We want all these things in film. And that's ultimately why I think we you couldn't have a Forrest Gump sequel, remake oh, today. Because no, no. people are over it. I get that we could enjoy these films, but in the end of the day, I'm kind of on the same boat. I'm like, we need to stop making these films that take easy stances, basic stances yeah. on these really yeah. complicated things. Is, there was a exactly. yeah, um, yeah, deleted yeah. scene, I guess a, a scene that was written, but they didn't actually put in the final movie where um, Forrest and Jenny climb a tree and they see the uh, Selma march, right? And then he sees dogs from his neighborhood being like walked over there. And he's like, oh, I know that dog. That's Rex. And he's like naming the dogs and stuff. What do you think those dogs were going to be used for? Oh, oh no. Oh, my God. <laughs> Jesus yeah, it's, it's 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 shit. It's, like probably, that. it's probably it's a very good idea that they took that part out. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. And again, I think there is that dopiness of like, oh, he doesn't understand what's happening. But instead but of he it can't being, be held accountable. But yeah. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It just I don't think you can make these films anymore. And so in that regard, has Forrest Gump aged well? Mm, yes and no. Like, kind of like it's complicated. It definitely it definitely still has cinematic value. Like, it, it's a good yeah. it's good filmmaking, in my opinion. Like, you can't deny that. It yes. definitely had an influence on on filmmaking afterwards you know like if i made a film i'm pretty sure i would like i would be indirectly influenced by it you know mm -hmm. definitely it's still an iconic movie i think and it's still or, enjoyable to watch totally. yeah like 100 percent. like i i've told people that i was doing this movie on the podcast and they're like oh i love that movie and then i'm like hey do you remember how forrest got his name none of them remember that right. <laughs> yeah it's it's dressed up as ghosts <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> but that there's a certain and there's a certain charm to it, right? Like it's kind of funny. Like yeah. oh shit, oh, it's, it's funny. It's funny. Yes, oh, I still laugh. Yeah. Oh, I I laughed out loud. I laughed throughout. I laughed throughout the whole thing. The whole yeah yeah. And, and I mean, it's well made. You know. Mm -hmm. Yes. There's there's I mean we we could talk a little bit about the visual effects. It stands up still. I mean the the, the, the scenes where they're using their archival of like um, history. I and think like all that, that stuff, it's it's still like believable, you know, like how they put that together him in there. I think towards like the front end, like after he meets JFK, I think I'm like, oh, that's that's cool. The John Lennon thing like loses me. Like I think that's oh that one that one that one was the the one that was went on for too long. Yeah, probably. and it's like I get it. He's he's giving him the lyrics for Imagine, yeah. and then the guy the the talk show host says, oh, can you imagine? Like on the nose, I'm like. Jesus. Yeah, because all the next? other parts are... Is he going to get are... shot too? <laughs> yeah. And then and Nixon was, was the one who told him to stay at Watergate, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's the... Those scenes, uh, except the John Lennon one, like, they're really funny. And when I mm -hmm. saw them as a kid, it, when I saw them in high school, I was like, what the fuck? These look really good. You know, yeah. they've still they've aged a little bit, but I'm not gonna hold that against these guys. They did a no. tremendous job. It still looks yeah, really good. For what they have. Yeah. I think the best 
the the two best visual effects though i think is that scene in the memorial in front of the memorial lincoln memorial and the reflecting pool because that they didn't actually have that giant crowd around they didn't have like thousands of people they actually had only 1500 people right and they had them they set up their shot and they had that crowd being being certain parts of the of the reflecting pool so for one so for one take they'd be on the left side another they'd be a little bit ahead and then a little ahead and they would work around the entire the entire pool they composed that in post and so it's the same crowd, the same people rearranged. It's the 1,500 people. They multiplied it to be however it needed to, to absolutely to, uh, to, to go around the entire pool. That's really cool. I watched that and I was like, I watched that film. I watched that shot and I was like, oh, that's a, they, how many extras did they get mm-hmm. for that shot? Nope, not, they didn't have that many. They had 1,500. It holds it, up. I couldn't even up. tell. Yeah. And then the second one that, I think we could all agree on looked good was Lieutenant Dan's legs. Oh yeah. Yeah. They insane. It looks so good. There was only one moment where I was like, Oh, you kind of fucked up there was in the new year's party back at his apartment. When he's getting back into his wheelchair, you could kind of tell that he's supporting himself with his legs, but that's it though. That's a nitpicky complaint. It's not, it's yeah. not even a complaint. It's like a, Oh, Okay, this happened, but it looks good. Yeah, I did want to. Jeez, I keep doing the gum thing on on accident. Uh, I did want to talk a little bit about um, the 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 author of the book, Winston Groom. Graham. Groom. Groom. groom like groom. like groomsman. Like bride and groom. groom. Yes, 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 yes. I feel like he's um, just very enamored by Southern culture because he did grow up in Alabama, just like Forrest did. Yeah. And the the historical nonfictions that he has written about were from were about the Civil War. So he's also a huge history nerd, which kind of goes in hand with this film, except it's it's completely fiction. Yeah. Um. The other thing is that he writes from the not I don't know if it's, it's accurate to say from the perspective, but he writes of recollections from um the Confederate soldiers or the Confederate yeah. perspective of the Civil War and. The thing is, though, I can't really speak on this because I actually haven't read his book, so I can't really say, Same. oh, was he biased or unbiased in the, the depiction of that? Was he sympathetic to the style or not? I don't know. But I think it, it, it it's something to note of his deep Southern background as well. Yeah. I, I mean, in a way, that kind of does make the film more personal, I guess. Definitely. I think, I yeah. think this is like a personal thing for him. I think he liked writing this the book right it's not like they just ham-fisted this like just made this like really hammed up um southern dude like it's actually written somewhat based on the author of the book's life like he yeah based like the character is somewhat on himself mm-hmm. and like stories of his his grandfather who they like knew mm-hmm. someone who might have had an intellectual disability who was just like a, a savant with the piano mm-hmm. there's a c-span interview that i watched with them and the first thing that he says is that he likes to write about things he doesn't know about, which is like a weird thing to say as a writer. Well, I'm, I mean, that makes sense. I mean, writing about things you don't know about, that, that encourages you to like learn more about it. I think you have to do your research. Right. He te- he's more interested in telling the story, I think. That's what he said. He closes up the interview with saying something to that effect. Like, 
it doesn't really matter if you know all the facts like it's good to know the facts but it's the most important thing is like telling it from the human perspective i guess not like the academic perspective um so he he wrote he's he's, he's been sniffing that hollywood shit (laughs) well see he has he had been a writer for a while right he was a veteran and for he released Forrest Gump. He released that in eighty, I think eighty six. Oh, let me just get the correct. Yeah, date. I think it's like eighty six. It took like eight or nine years yes. for the the film to be developed into a screenplay, yes. and I think it went from one studio to the other, Warner Brothers to Paramount or something like that, right? Yeah, I read about P- Warner Brothers. It was like pretty much like the reason this movie got made is the persistence of the producer. Wendy Feinerman. There is an article about her behind a paywall, and I'm not going to pay for it. But <laughs> I've, I've seen that she had been trying to get this movie made for eight years, and it wasn't until Eric Roth decided to adapt the novel into mm. a screenplay. And then that's they got the director, they got the cast, and then the movie was made. Uh, there's some pretty great differences from the novel to the actual feature film like jenny is not the victim of of abuse in in the movie or in the in the book she's just a neighbor it's not a love story she's just someone he knew in the past and he does actually have a kid with her and she doesn't ever die in the book either she dies in the sequel she dies in the sequel this the sequel book was made because the after the film was adapted, mm-hmm. the movie like broke records. Like it was in theaters for over a year, or almost a year. The movie was in theaters. I saw this on the Amazon like X Ray. There was a deal for the author to receive like three percentage points of the film's profits, in addition to the three hundred and fifty thousand dollars they paid for him for the rights. He didn't see any of those residuals, so instead. They worked out a deal with him. They bought the rights for his sequel book, Gump and Co., for, I guess, a million dollars or something, seven figures. I can't find out what the exact number was. Mm-hmm. But then they never made the movie, so he didn't get residuals from that. But he did make the million dollars from from writing the, the sequel, which came out in 95, one year after the movie came out. And the sequel book, he adapts the the voice of gump to the film version of gump mm-hmm. so it's like a so he was using the film as like a launching point because yeah. he felt like maybe this character this version of Forrest gump is more successful so he was just gonna i guess capitalize on that yes he was yeah. gonna make his he was gonna start his own mcu of Forrest gump where they were, <laughs> we were gonna get spin-offs and Whatever happened to in, Lieutenant Dan? Like, we need to see that story. Dude, what happens to Lieutenant That's... Dan in the sequel book is so disappointing. Oh, oh really? God. Yeah. What happens? Well, they all lose the Bubba Gump Shrimp Company. Like, it goes mm-hmm. under. And uh, Lieutenant Dan becomes homeless again. Oh, what and the fuck? He, he basically has to go back to war. And there's a bit with Saddam Hussein. They capture him. Oh, but... yeah, yeah. I mean, this is after Forrest joins the Saints. Too. Like oh, he yeah, gets he... back into football. <laughs> they they let him into the NFL at his age, yeah. whatever it was at the time. And uh, like Jenny's ghost comes back to advise yep. him on, on things. Yep, it's like super ridiculous. And yeah, also Saddam Hussein 
Yeah. The captor said, I'm Hussein. And then they let him go. And then Lieutenant Dan dies uh, in war. And he, he yeah. finally gets to fulfill his destiny. I'm like, no. I'm glad that movie never got made. What the fuck? <laughs> the movie version, uh, the, the Eric Roth adaptation, uh, there's this, first of all, Little Forest dies of AIDS. Beginning of the movie. <gasps> Because uh, his already, mom had it, right? Because yeah. oh, Jenny has it. Oh. Mm-hmm. oh. And then I mentioned the Oklahoma City bombing thing. Mm-hmm. Also, Forrest is riding with OJ in the back of the white Bronco. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, dear. <laughs> wait. Oh, but wait. Forrest is in the car <laughs> with OJ? Yep. Oh. Why? Oh my god. Like, that would have funny, I guess. That would have honestly Oh my god. Okay. Okay. On okay. Low key. Like, okay, high key. This movie sounds terrible. It should never have been made, and I'm glad that they did it. But low key, I kinda wish it was made because it sounds so horrifically awful. I wanna see it. It's like oh my god. it's like that. Yeah. It would it would be great to talk about on those podcasts exactly. for sure. It would be like that Harriet Tubman movie with uh Julia Roberts. Did you guys ever hear about that? Yeah. It, it like No, what is that? So <laughs> apparently back in the nineties they wanted to make a Harriet Tubman biopic, right? Mm. Um the studio was like, Who do you want, you know, to be the cast? And they were like, Well, we want some of these black women. And one of the studio heads was like Nah, I don't really think so. I think I want Julia Roberts for Harriet Tubman. And the producers were like, she can't because she's white. And the student and the guy said, "It oh, it doesn't matter. It was so long ago, people aren't going to care." That was that was a real story, a real response. This actually and I've happened. I've seen that verified multiple times too. People said that they wanted oh Julia Roberts as Harriet Tubman. And look, on an on a high key level, I'm glad it was never made. It sounds super stupid and offensive. Low key, though, I really wish they would have made it so we could watch it. Because <laughs> a movie about Harriet Tubman with Julia Roberts sounds. Julia Roberts playing Harriet Tubman. It sounds. That would have ruined her career, too. Oh my <laughs> God. it's It sounds awful, but it's a type of awful that is so dumb that you want to see it. And that's how I feel about this Forrest Gump film, the sequel. It sounds so dumb. I really want to see it. And I, I think that's kind of why, like, Forrest Gump is so funny. It's because, like, some of the stuff that happens is just, like, really dumb. Like, this dude... I'm, su- I'm sure he had a good laugh, like, writing this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, one thing about how he meets all these, like, famous people that get shot and, and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if how well you you are on, like, the whole... Woodstock thing, but Abby Hoffman was the guy that was giving a speech about the incarceration of a Black Panther, and it was in the middle of a set from The Who, and Pete Townsend ends up like famously hitting him on the head with the guitar. Oh, I did not know that. I didn't know that either. It's just like I was thinking, like, oh, now he's gonna like talk about somebody took a guitar and hit that man. (laughs) (laughs) I. The only reason I recognized him was uh, Netflix made the film, The Trial of the Chicago 7. And... Oh, yeah. uh, What's his name? Borat plays Abby Hoffman in that film. And he's wearing the same, like, U.S. shirt that Abby was wearing (laughs) in this film. And that's how I recognized. I was like, 
I, in my head, I was doing the Forrest Gump voice. I was like, and that man would go on to work with Aaron Sorkin. <laughs> that was just that was just me, though. This God, this sequel Dude. sounds so fucking bonkers. Yeah. Uh, so we should probably try to close up pretty soon, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. Well, real quick, I just I I think I we should just get general thoughts on the film from everyone, like kind of like review, like what did you what do you think? How do you stand on the film now? Um, we can, we can start like uh, I could go and then and then uh, Heather and then Austin. If you guys, yeah, okay. just say your quote at the end of it. Yeah, ultimately, uh, I enjoyed the film. I think it's a relic of its time. Could it be remade or sequelized? Or I don't think so. I'm glad there's a one and done because it's it's a strange movie. It's constructed very strange. There's a lot of crap, good craftsmanship in this, in terms of acting, tech, story. Like there's, it's well made. Uh, should it have won Best mm-hmm. Picture against Shawshank? No, but that's me though. Uh, it's enjoyable, and I think ultimately Forrest Gump is such a likable character that he pushes this movie. You know, regardless of how you feel about its depiction of the Vietnam War, Jenny, politics, he's a likable guy, and he makes this enjoyable. And I really enjoyed it. I, you know, I don't know how many times I'm gonna rewatch this film. Uh, I'll probably. I'll visit it every now and then, but I, I really liked it. Um, My favorite quote, it doesn't really exemplify how I feel about him, but it's a quote that Gump said that I really like. And I was like, you know what? This guy's smarter. This guy is low-key really smart, and he kind of mm-hmm. gets it. Mm-hmm. It's when Lieutenant Dan is like, have you found Jesus yet, Gump? And <laughs> Forrest is like, I didn't know I was supposed to be looking for him, sir. And I was like... <laughs> Yeah, man, I got you. I I got I get where you're coming from. <laughs> okay, all right. So I, you know, watching this movie, you know, being thirty, almost thirty one years old, Jesus Christ. Uh, there are still there are things that I notice now that I'm like, oof. But on on the whole, I do enjoy this movie. Like it has like a, a charm about it, I guess, and I think it mostly comes from Tom Hanks. And just some of like the really funny things that happen in the movie, and there's one there's one moment in the movie that always like makes me almost cry. It's when uh, he sees his son, and for uh, Jenny tells him that that's that's your kid, and then he he has like this moment of self reflection where he's like, is is he smart or is he? And he like gestures towards himself like me like knowing that there's he knowing that there's something different about him you know and like there's those ridiculous things but that moment like grounds the movie and it's like oh this this guy's like a, a real guy kind of so that's my quote for the movie it's a good one i'm actually scrolling through something right now <laughs> trying to look for something but i can talk about what how i feel about the film and I still enjoy it. And it's always going to be like an iconic part of my love for cinema. And it's it's always going to be a part of my childhood, too, because of it being a big part of me and my brother's like relationship, too. Um, I think ultimately I, it, it's a lot about the American identity. And I think that's important to note as you're thinking about cinema and how it relates to society 
especially um, American society. And I think that's why the movie is so significant in that sense. But it doesn't hold up well in that. I don't think it should ever be remade or anything like that. And I don't think a movie like this could ever be made in today's era. So I think it's just it's it's a stand. It's a movie that that represents it's the time it was made in. And that's and that's why it's significant, I think. And it's also just a really well produced and well directed film Mm -hmm. and well acted all around, you know? That's all I, I have to say about that. Like, oh, what was that? perfect. What was, what was that for, again? I think that's my quote, but I forgot what, what context it was in. It's when he goes into, like, the sad parts of his story. Like, when Bubba dies or when his mom dies. He's like, mm-hmm. that's all I got to say about that. That's a good quote. I think it's I think it's pretty great that we can acknowledge the film's, uh, maybe its shortcomings. But overall, I mean, that's not stopping us from enjoying the film uh some people yeah. i feel like nowadays it's like people are hypercritical about something and it's like no you know something might not be perfect but you could still enjoy it you could appreciate the craftsmanship and maybe it just hits you in a certain way and like you can always like see it as a um something to show how far we've come you know you know what i mean absolutely it eat shit man it, in terms of america but also cinema and this, mm-hmm. and that's also the cool thing about movies in general. Because when I was looking at the list of Oscar winners, I'm like, wow, you have Shawshank, Forrest, and Pulp Fiction all in one year. And wow. you could, I could enjoy them all if I could right now. Like, I could re- pull them up, rent them, enjoy them, and be like, fuck, I feel fulfilled. That's, that, that's fucking cool, isn't it? Like, I was thinking about that. That's, that's fucking movies. Yeah. Oh, and we forgot, we forgot the best quote of the entire film. <laughs> uh. it's like um it's it's so like chaotic neutral of him to do too. Yeah. like that's what i love about it like he the the principal like just comes out and he's like yeah your mom really cares about cares your education about your and he just does not say anything just looks at him and starts going yee <laughs> You know, those are the first, the first, that's the first thing that Little Forest says in the movie. Or Young, Young Forest. Young I think Forest, Little right. Forest is uh, Haley Joel Osment. Yeah. We, oh, yeah. Also, we haven't talked about the fact that this is like one of his first like debuts. Hello, Mr. Gump. Oh my God. Can you just, I, I know we're so far in, but fuck, that kid can act. Fuck, <laughs> yeah. he's so good at everything that he was in. Fucking Forrest mm-hmm. Gump. AI six Seth. Oh, I was reading about him, and his parents did get him into acting, but apparently his father deliberately did not baby talk to him and spoke to him like an adult growing up. So mm. that that may may have contributed in how he was a good child actor. Yeah. Also, he was in um uh, what we did in the shadows recently. What he was pretty good in that. Oh. Yeah. Oh yeah. The, yeah, you, yeah. You know, yeah. you know the FX show, not the, not the movie, oh, but I like love, the FX. I've, I just finished the second season, and he's he's in it, right? That's him in the mm-hmm. latest season. He's, I think he's yeah, he's one of the familiars yeah. in uh, season yeah. two. He does a pretty good job. I thought it was like, oh god, this what is this former child actor going to do? Yeah, be? he's in. But the, he was actually yeah, he's great. He's in the first season of The Boys he too. Is, yeah, as a a child uh, superhero, which is. <laughs> <laughs> like that was already meta and when they mm-hmm. killed when they offed him i was like oh shit what the i hope he's he's all right like well adjusted and 
No, I, I hope he's doing well, of... man. He seems yeah. happy, so. You guys should definitely do. Um... Phantom Menace? Or, sorry, I don't know why I said that. <laughs> <laughs> That's not the same kid. <laughs> Uh, which film? The Sixth, Sixth Sense. Sense. You should do The Sixth Sense. I've never seen The Sixth Sense. Me either. Uh, I've never seen it. <gasps> oh, wow. You guys should. Wait, wait. Have you, yeah. You've seen it, right? Yeah. Well, that's the next episode you're going to come on for, Sixth Sense. Well, you guys haven't seen it, though. <laughs> True, but then yeah, you, we, you'll we help us guide We do movies that we haven't seen. The right. whole, yeah, yeah, the, whole yeah. the, the first part of the episode is going to be boring. Austin, what do you it's think? It's just going to be sense? like, so we know the twist already. <laughs> I mean, there's. I'm sure there's like other movies that... That would be other options that we can do besides that one. That could be more entertaining. Oh, well, whatever. Something. Again. Whatever. We'll think of something. Yeah. We'll make it entertaining. <laughs> no, man. Just, I Just get us three in a virtual podcast booth. Just quote movies. <laughs> but we should close out this episode. Yeah. But, mm-hmm. but give Heather a chance to talk about what she's been up to. Yeah, sure. I might have to do a few takes, but we can pretend this is like my first take of it if you if we need to, because I'm assuming you're going to edit all of this. Of course. Yes, yes. Uh, so my name is Heather Huang, and I'm a video producer. Um, I also studied film. Where can people find you if they want to keep up with our... <laughs> you can find me on Instagram at uh, Heather Huang, H-E-A-T-H-E-R-H-O-A-N-G. Wow, you got first name, last name, Instagram handle. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's pretty fucking wow. cool. There are definitely other Heather Wongs out there, but I got lucky that I was the first one who got that. See, there was mm-hmm. another there was another Heather out there who was like, oh, nobody thought of this. And then they see your your profile like, man, fuck yeah. her. <laughs> damn it. <laughs> now I got to be Heather Dot Wong. Or, or, Heather, exactly. or Heather Wong one or two <laughs> yeah, or the exactly. year I was born. <laughs> that's just going to age me up. God damn it. Damn, that's that's pretty cool. Well, awesome. Thank you again so much, Heather. It's it's good yeah, catching up. Yeah, of course. Up. This is so really fun. fun. I'm glad you this enjoyed it. I laughed so much. Honestly, I feel like... And it's really cool having you on because you since you recommended Forrest Gump, I haven't seen it in so long. So being able to talk about it mm-hmm. so long after having first seen it and then ha- talking about it with you guys who you guys know your shit when it comes to movies and stuff. <laughs> it's so enlightening. It's always fun. Thank you again. Austin, where can uh, where can people listen to this episode? It, it's kind of weird. They're I hope they're already listening to it right now. <laughs> well, wait, um, where can, can they catch follow, us? You can follow us on social media. We have a Facebook group or something called <laughs> Retrograde Podcast. But uh, who, who's on Facebook? You know, you can also find us on social media, like the newer social medias, like Twitter and Instagram at Retrograde underscore Pod. So Retrograde one word underscore pod you can follow me on twitter i am at stick beast uh i am on twitch at twitch tv dot twitch dot tv slash stick beast also on instagram at stick beast i got i got them all go find me there yeah so you guys about you, don't, George? don't look for me i i don't i don't <laughs> i don't want to know you i you know sorry <laughs> Thank you for listening, but I don't really give a shit. I'm sorry. No, I'm just kidding, guys. I'm just kidding. You can find me at J.E. Montoy on Instagram. Uh, I don't have a Twitch, so really, that's Instagram's the best bet. If you have, like, suggestions for us, we have a Discord server. Just DM us on Twitter, and I can get you a link, and you can, I don't know, see our announcements, see our, like, little videos we have 
for uh, teasing the next episodes. Um, We're always on there playing Among Us. Oh yeah, always play- it's Among Us. Heather, we should have you on for Among <laughs> Us. Mm. Yeah, I should top on at some point. All right, thanks for listening, guys. We will see you in two weeks. Bye bye bye.